99% of people, they're scared. I'm scared to take that leap. Like, oh, what if, what are my, uh, what's my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my, my father, my, my family, my friends, what are they gonna think of me? I feel like you only have, you only live once, you only have one life. So as long as you wake up and God gives you a breath, you gotta show up. You know, my dad used to work three different jobs, he used to drive taxi cabs, um, he used to work at a restaurant, you know, wash dishes and bathrooms and also deliver newspapers in the morning. You know, living in that one bedroom apartment with three younger brothers and my mom, I really didn't get to see him a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Knowing that, hey, I need to make something happen of my life. Okay, and so you got to grow up watching your parents work really hard, multiple jobs. Exactly. And you were saying they weren't really around. Exactly. Where does real estate fit into all this? Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Abdullah Ghaffar with National Fast Offer and he flew in from Chicago to talk about how he became a millionaire before the age of 30. That was my goal when I started. I missed that one terribly, so congratulations on doing that. Uh, guys, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you'll become one. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to millions of cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And guys, if you get value today, Please hit that subscribe button. That way we can all grow together. You ready? Thanks for having me out here, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this show. Um, so first question is, what was your life like right before you got into real estate? Gotcha. So, well, my parents are immigrants, right? Mm -hmm. So when I started off, I was in a one-bedroom apartment. You know, my dad used to work three different jobs. He used to drive taxi cabs. Um, he used to work at a restaurant, you know, wash dishes and bathrooms and also deliver newspapers in the morning, right? So, um, you know, living in that one-bedroom apartment with three younger brothers and my mom, I really didn't get to see him a lot, you mm -hmm. know? So I was there till eight years old. So just knowing that, hey, I need to make something happen of my life. You know, and then as soon as I went to high school, uh, you know, graduated that, went to college, and then I got into information technology. I got, you know, into IT. I got my business analyst certification. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then I got a, my BA uh, job. So I was making $125,000 a year. So I was doing fairly well for myself. Mm -hmm. But yet again, I was in corporate America and I was just a slave. And after making $125,000, even paying your own rent, um, you're, you know, living a you know decent life, um, expenses, after taxes, what are you really saving? Mm -hmm. I had, you know, I was doing that for two years and I had nothing to show for it, you know? Yeah. So it was like, that's what I was doing. So I quit that and I didn't really have a good time with it. So I quit that and I just became a pizza delivery driver. So I was, you know, driving for Little Caesars. And Wait, you quit the job, deliver pizza? Yeah. So you didn't deliver pizza on the side? No. Okay. I quit that 100% quit, and then I just went, you know, because thing is I was in Kansas City, Missouri mm -hmm. for that job opportunity, you know? So I left my family. I'm born and raised in Chicago. So I left that because I didn't really find a good opportunity there. Mm -hmm. So, but I had a really good opportunity in Kansas. So I went there, left my family. I was living by myself and all that good stuff, you know, it has its perks, but you miss your mom's cooking, you know? Oh, for sure. So, so you said uh, uh, immigrant family, so where's your family from? Pakistan. Pakistan. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, and so you got to grow up watching your parents work really hard, multiple jobs. Exactly. And you were saying they weren't really around. Exactly. Gotcha. So um, you go deliver pizza. Where does real estate fit into all this? So while I was delivering pizza, I was on YouTube, right? Rather than listening to music, I started watching YouTube channels, you know, YouTube videos mm -hmm. and getting into real estate because I've learned that the most millionaires are made in real estate, right. right? As everyone knows. So I was like, how do I get into this? The route I was going to take was, you know, becoming an agent, getting my license and all that stuff. So while I was looking into it, 
I found Brent Daniels, mm -hmm. TTP, right? The loudest guy in the space, I believe. <laughs> Him and Sean Terry are the two the loudest people inside your space, which is awesome. I wish yeah. I was as loud as them. He got me started. So yeah, yeah, I watched yeah. some of his videos. He said, just talk to more people. That's mm -hmm. all you have to do. And just buy a list from PropStream, which he had his own referral code, right? Affiliate sure. code. So I was like, you know, let's, let's buy it. It was like a seven-day free trial. Mm -hmm. So I got that and um, bought some lists for like $300. I got started with 300 bucks, right. right? So I got I bought a list, and I just started cold calling myself on my free time. And eight months in, after eight months, I got my first deal, I made, which made me $2,000. 2000 2000 So eight months, I'm, I'm dry. I got nothing going on, you know? So after that, I was like- Were you delivering pizza this whole time? Yep. Okay. So I'm delivering pizza, right? And I'm barely making anything, you know? It's just like- I mean, describe the struggle here. Were you back home in Chicago? Yeah, back so with my family. Were you living with your parents? Yep, living so with my parents. So you graduated college, had a six-figure job, quit that, I went to go live with your parents to deliver pizza and do real estate on the side. Yep. So I didn't graduate college completely. Mm -hmm. I got into the IT industry. So I got my business analyst certification. I see. Yeah. So okay. I got my cert. And with that cert, I got the opportunity to get into the IT industry. Okay. And then, but I left that, came back home, right? Which is like, hey, I'm downgraded now, right? I have my own place, got my own car, got my everything going on for myself. Left that, come back home and deliver pizza. So how was that conversation? It's not. It's tough with your family. Like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. every day they're like, "What are you doing with your life?" I was yeah, because like, we had uh, we had Sherrod in the show last week, right? Sherrod Mata uh, with Re Simply, hmm. and uh, so uh, if I remember correctly, Indian descent, so you know, Asian descent, right? Like us, and uh, was, I was like, "How was that conversation with your parents when you quit?" And they were like, "It was like, uh, I mean, they were supportive. <laughs> they like didn't understand it. it. They thought I was crazy, but they were supportive." You know, my parents are strict, man. So yeah. you know, so it was tough. Every day I'm something to hear, you know, mm -hmm. something new, right? It's the same old stuff, right? But it's like, well, you get used to it. You know, you're like, hey, I'm living my life. I'm living for myself, right? I do right. want best for my family, but I know there's another way out, you know? Sure. I don't want to go back to corporate America and just slave my life away. Because what it is, yeah, you'll make money, but you get stuck in that system, mm -hmm. you know? So Yeah, once you're locked in, it's hard to get out. So eight months in, you do your first deal is $2,000. Tell me about that first deal. So that first deal, it wasn't even about the money. It was about the concept. So I proved the concept, right? I know wholesaling works. Mm -hmm. And throughout the eight months, I was getting contracts. You know, it was like two, three months in, I had one deal. And in the beginning, you don't even know what to do. How to open up escrow, how to put EMD, who puts the EMD, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you're putting $100 on EMD, so, you know? And then who do I contact? Which title company is even friendly, you know? <laughs> so this whole, it was a mess, yeah. you know? So I lost a few deals that way. But mm -hmm. eight months in, that contract that I had, I kind of understood the process. Okay, hit up the attorney, give them that agreement, put the EMD, right? The buyer puts it, and then you can start marketing because you can't market a property without a contract, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I had to get all the understanding because I'm like, oh, you want to sell? Cool. Let me ask someone around, you know? Mm -hmm. Let me try doing something. Let me put on Facebook Marketplace or something. You can't really do that. You need a, you know, an actual agreement so yeah. you could market the property. Right. So all this, but once I got the process done, right, proved the concept, and then after that, I started scaling the business, mm -hmm. right? I started my second year, I made 40000 So your first deal was $2,000. Uh, when did you officially start trying to wholesale? It was back in like 2017. 2017. So you started wholesale in 2017. Um, and then you do your first deal. It's $2,000. Uh, and this is the first deal that closes. You had multiple deals that didn't close. So what was it about this deal that made it work? Man, it was homeowner wanted to sell, right? And luckily... I actually JV'd with somebody. So he made 2000 I made 2000 And he just got it. He's like, hey, I have a buyer, you know, after 
uh, all the proceeds after paying attorney fees, closing costs, this, we're making 4000 And we was like 50-50, you yeah. know? So it was like, it was a distressed situation. You know, that's how we get paid to how solve problems. It? it was cold calling. I was cold calling, cold calling myself. What list? It was uh, absentee. Absentee. On Prostream? Yeah, Prostream. Gotcha. Okay, so you do your first deal. Yeah. It's real. What happens after that? Once you know it's real, once you know something works, you mm-hmm. go all in. So that's what I did. I was like, okay, cool. Whatever money I have saved up, whatever money I have, okay, let me invest into the company, mm-hmm. you know? Because your biggest investment is yourself, right? Yeah. So you guys like, hey, I got to invest in myself. I got to invest in my business, right? Because that 2000 I could have went, done, you know, anything with it, right? You could have yeah. gone, uh, gone on, get some nice steak, you know, take take some, you know, take out the family, do this, do that, and then back to being zero, mm-hmm. right? But I took that money, reinvested it, got more lists, started cold calling, you know, and got my brother on. Me and my brother were started cold calling. Mm-hmm. Second year end, we made 40000 We did a few deals. Third year, we got cold callers, right? So mm-hmm. now we're, okay, like, hey, if you want to expand this, because, you know, everyone has those lazy days, right? Yeah. And the day that you want to go on vacation, the day you want to, you know, take a little break, guess what? Mm-hmm. When you stop working, the business stops working, right? Right. So I was like, how do I automate this? How do I get, uh, you know, leads coming in without me being present? So, you know, coming from the IT industry, and learning systems, processes, and people, I brought that and I brought it to the real estate space, mm-hmm. right? So I put um, systems in place, right? I put a CRM in place because before it was just all cold calling using Google Sheets, right? Yeah. Then we got a CRM in place. Then we got processes. Like, what's our SRPs? What are the roles and responsibilities for our company? What am I going to do? What are you going to do, right? Mm-hmm. What are our employees going to do, right? So he's like, okay, I could pull the list. I'm like, hey, these are tedious tasks, you know? We need someone else to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on the bigger picture, money producing activities, right? Where it's like, where it's acquisitions. Where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, getting on the phone, talking to warm leads, building rapport, negotiating, sending the contract, and popping it off to investors. Who was helping you with all this? Me, myself, and then my brother came in after, you know? It's me and my brother. We're, we're the only ones doing it. I mean, are you learning all this from YouTube? Did you have a mentor along the way? YouTube University. You know, yeah. it's free. And back then, you know, you really don't have that much capital. You know, so in the beginning, it was all YouTube. And then mm-hmm. I started investing in mentors. You know, once mm-hmm. I made, it was like my third year in business. I started investing. Gave Three years. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, why was it three years? Because I thought I could do it myself, right? And you could do it yourself, but to an extent, mm-hmm. right? You can make $10,000, $15,000 a month yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do 100K months, you need someone that's already there. Because what mm-hmm. it is, like, if you find a mentor that's already doing it, you just skip those hurdles, mm-hmm. Right. And now I'm actually, a, you know, a fanatic when it comes to mentorships. Whenever yeah. I get into a different business like Airbnb, I paid someone that already has 100 doors. I'm like, hey, help me skip those hurdles because I'm going to spend, I'm going to lose more than $100,000 mm-hmm. just learning these processes, right? Right. So it's like Airbnb, Rideshare. I have 73 cars for Rideshare. Same type of concept. Any business that I do now, I get a mentor right away because I could just skip those hurdles. What happened if you didn't close your first deal? I would have been... Delivering pizzas, you know, I don't know where I would be, you know, yeah. but uh, not where I'm at today. So you did, a, I mean, you got your first deal, it's real, you go all in. Did you quit your other job, the delivering pizza at yeah. that point? Because yeah. it's only 2000 bucks. Yeah. So yeah, I did quit because I was like, hey, this is real. I need to go all in. And mm-hmm. I had a few hundred dollars saved up, you know, my brother was working at Dunkin' Donuts, so he had a few thousand dollars saved up. And we're like, hey, we have enough capital to where we just sit down and just call all day, Yeah. right? So... Uh, this deal, it was small deals at $2,000, but our next deal was like 8000 mm-hmm. Then it was like 6000 Then it just went higher and higher, right? What market was this all in? This is all in Chicago. All in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and around. at this point, were you a licensed realtor here? I guess yeah. the regulations hadn't come yeah. down yet. Uh, what were some of the biggest struggles in those first few years? 
wholesaling. Just, man, it's just staying consistent. You already know how it goes, man. It's like hitting those phones every day for months, for eight hours a day, for three, four, five, six months. You know, even the eight months that I was doing it without getting a contract, without, you know, closing something, mm -hmm. it's tough, you know? Yeah. So. How'd you get through it? Man to, be, man, to be honest, it was prayer. You know, it was prayer. My parents praying for me, right? Because they were like, hey, I hope you do something with your life and mm -hmm. not do, you know, pizza, <laughs> not deliver pizzas. So they're praying for me. And we're mm -hmm. really big into faith, right? So it's like we pray five times a day. So it's like me praying myself. I'm like, hey, God, help me, you know, improve in my life. You know, give me the knowledge to yeah. exceed in this business. So. You still pray five times a day? Oh, yeah. I have to, man. Always thankful for everything we have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your biggest victories from when you started to where you are today? Man, it's a blessing. Now I have over eight companies, right? We're doing, each company is automated, right? They're doing anywhere from six to seven figures annually. Um, I have over 30 rentals. I'm doing fix and flips, um, you know, everything, man. It's a blessing. Mm -hmm. Just life in general, you know? Any concerns you're trying to do too many things? Man, not really, you know, because yeah. I feel like you only have, you only live once, you only have one life. So as long as you wake up and God gives you a breath, you know, because mm -hmm. the biggest blessing is us waking up tomorrow morning because there's no guarantee, right? right? So that's, it's inevitable. We all got to die, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like what they say in my religion is that, hey, if you wake up and you just show up, that's it. Let mm -hmm. everything else is in God's hands, right? Yeah. So it's just like me waking up and I'm like, hey, I want to do this. I want to start my own CRM. I want to, you know? So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me hire a developer. Let me do something, you know? Just me waking up every day is progress, right? So it's just like, so I feel like I'm just getting started at 28 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I mean, it's kind of crazy what you've done in, 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 by 28 years old. So um, you talk about, you know, eight different companies. Actually, before you even go through eight different companies, you never kind of joking before the show. You had to jump through some hurdles. Yeah. For those <laughs> that are listening, you want to enlighten them on the hurdles you had to jump through? Man, all types of hurdles. Well, I'm talking about like to get onto the show. Oh, man. This is not an easy show to get onto, right? <laughs> yeah. Only the realest of the realest disruptors get mm -hmm. the opportunity to come speak, you know, right. especially with you. So it took me about a year to get mm -hmm. on, you know, sending mm -hmm. over my deeds, my clothing statements, and, uh, you know, it, it was a process. But I'm yeah. glad I'm here. I'm blessed to be here speaking with you. Well, and I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate you being here. But, like, uh, just to kind of, like, reiterate, like, I could just put anybody on the show, right? I could. And, you know, they could pay, we could charge a larger fee and all this other stuff. But, like, for me, it's so important, right, that to have the right people of the right character come onto the show. And, like, this is 2023 now, so we're, we're doing a little bit better now with the quality of the show. But, like, the first few years, we let some people on, and I'm in the middle of the show, I was like, oh, dang it. How'd this one slip through? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so... Yeah, we go through the strenuous process. Cause I, I say that because what we're gonna be talking about now. So you've got eight different companies, right? And you kind of you kind of went through each one of them. So let's start. What was the very first company? It was real estate wholesaling. That's okay. where everything started from, mm -hmm. right? So that real estate wholesaling gave me the opportunity to build capital to get into other businesses, mm -hmm. right? And then after that, I got into rentals. I bought my first rental for like ten thousand dollars in the south side of Chicago, right? South side, south Chicago. side of Chicago. Place where you can't really, you know, us <laughs> Asians, we can't really walk around, you know? Yeah. It's, it's dangerous, you know? It's so like, I've been to Chicago a couple of times, and it's fascinating to me because I'm, I mean, in Phoenix, right? Like, East Valley, like, pretty good. Like, this pretty hard to get in trouble in the East Valley, the wrong, to walk through the wrong part of the streets or wrong parts of town. Um, but when I was in Chicago with some friends, they're like, yeah, 
we don't cross this street. Like, really? Like, it's just a street? It's not a block? It's not a city? It's like, we don't cross this street. Wow. Yeah, that's what it is in Chicago also. There's blocks. No, no, I'm saying that's Chicago. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. When, they were, when, they were, when we were walking around yeah, Chicago. Like, there, yeah. wherever he was renting, he's like, do not walk over there. I was like, yeah. how do you feel safe living over here? He's like, they don't cross the street? Yeah. Wow, okay. Each street's a different gang. So, they're, like, in Chicago, suppose, like, 63rd is f- fighting with 65th. Like, you know, it's like every block is fighting with each other. It's, it's in, crazy. It's insane. It's, yeah. It's dangerous. You know? So you're buying $10,000 properties in Chicago, Southside Chicago. What are you doing with these properties? So, man, in the beginning, we're just buying them and putting them Section 8 rentals, right? Mm-hmm. So we're buying them, and then we're finding contractors or just, like, handyman, right, in by Home Depot and telling them, hey, would you, like, you know, do this job for us. We just want to basically fix it up so we could put it on rent, right? My first property, again, hurdles, you know? It mm-hmm. didn't really go so well. You know, I got robbed by contractors. And then once I did find someone to do, like, the drywall, the paint, now we have a tenant in there who's not paying because we didn't really go to Section 8 right, right away. So the contractor robbed you. How did the contractor rob you? Man, we told him, come on, you know, fix up the property. Yeah, we could do it. I need 2000 up front. Yeah, I'll get the materials. Yeah, no worries. And next thing you know, he doesn't show up. You gave him two grand. Yeah. That's 20% of that purchase. Yeah. So, yeah, man, especially back then, you know, <laughs> we didn't really have that much capital. We're like, hey, we're putting all our eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And uh, Okay, so now you learn how to vet a contractor or you get better at vetting contractors. Yeah. And then tenants did what? Tenants didn't pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tenants. So it's like the whole eviction process. You know, that's another two, three thousand dollars to hire an attorney, do this, do that. And this Plus, is Chicago, though. Like, yeah. don't they have like really long tenants' rights? Oh, dude, it's the worst. Landlords have no rights. Yeah. You know, it's all tenants. So it's like. So how long did it take to evict that guy? It was like a year. A year. So it took a loss. So you bought a property for 10000 put 2000 into it, that walked out the door. And you, how much more did you put into it? A few more thousand. A few more thousand. You know. Find a renter, and then they don't pay anything. Yeah, so for a year, and then you pay more, a few thousand more. You get them out. You get them out. So like all into it before you even make a dime of revenue, you're twenty k into this property. Yeah, even more, man. They're close <laughs> to thirty. Like so, because we're making money throughout the you know mm-hmm. time of wholesaling. So we're building capital. We're feeding our you know the capital that we're getting to this property. Mm-hmm. Open, praying that hey, this gives us a you know good turnaround. But um. Yeah, so Section 8 now. Yeah, only so Section you saw, 8. So you still have this property? Yeah, I still have this property. Okay, so for those that are, are unaware, what's Section 8? Section 8 is basically government housing, or mm-hmm. it's affordable housing, where the government actually pays you direct deposit, guaranteed income every single month, right? Yeah. So it's a guaranteed way of making money rather so, than going the tenant route mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, dealing with them, you know, it's, it's a headache and a half. There's good tenants, but Southside Chicago, you know, it's really hard to find a good tenant. Yeah. So your first property is in Southside. I'll be your second property. Southside. So even through this experience? The reason why I bought in Southside, because I can't really take interest, mm-hmm. right? In my faith, I can't take loans. I can't take interest. Everything has to be cash. So so explain this concept for those that are unfamiliar with this. What's, first of all, what's it called? What, what is what? The, the concept that you can't pay interest. Is we can't pay interest. The concept right. is, hey, don't take interest mm-hmm. that's what it is it's riba you know so don't but there's got to be like a, a, a term for it in, in in your faith they're not no there is no term for it okay it's, a, it's like we call it sud mm-hmm. sud is like in arabic it's like hey interest mm-hmm. you know you can't take so you, you just can't don't take, take loans okay. you can't take loans you can only buy what you could afford mm-hmm. right so it's like the reason why they say that is imagine you have 
give an example, five million dollars worth of properties. Took loans on five million dollars. So you have a few assets. You're the man of the house because our ladies don't work, right? Mm -hmm. Suppose you have a wife, you have kids. Now something happens to you. God forbid something happens to you, and you're no longer present, right? Guess what? All that loan gets transferred to your wife and kids. Now they're responsible to pay, make payments, take mm -hmm. care of the business. And if they don't know what to do, guess what? Foreclosure. Now you put them in jeopardy. Credits mm -hmm. messed up. Stuff like that. And we see that. I mean, we buy some of these properties from them yeah. in these situations. Yeah. Uh, so. I thought it was more along the lines of kind of like uh, The Richest Man in Babylon, right? Have you read that book? I have not. Okay. So basically the concept is like back in those days, um, if you borrowed money and didn't pay it back, then you were put into slavery, hmm. right? Like you have to work for me for free for like this long period of time to pay off this debt. So like... If you didn't pay that debt back, you became a slave. That's basically what it is here too, right? So if you take debt from the United States, mm -hmm. right, from the government, now if you don't pay them off, guess what? You're a slave to them. Mm -hmm. You have to work. And the thing is, suppose you take a $100,000 loan, right? Mm -hmm. You're not paying them $100,000 back. You're paying them 200000 within a 30-year term. Right. You see, you're paying double the amount. So mm -hmm. it's like that's against our religion too. You can't, you can't take interest and you can't give interest. You can't mm -hmm. give someone uh, money for a percentage, you right? Know? So, so second property are all your properties now in Southside Chicago? Yeah, they're all in Southside Chicago. All of them. I still buy in Southside, you know. Okay, but now I'm buying like a little nicer properties, mm -hmm. um, like towards like, you know, before we're buying like South Shore, Englewood. Now, like you know, as you know, everything just went up, right? Mm -hmm. Everything appreciated. So it's like even in the Southside properties are worth two hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand. So the properties I was buying for twenty, thirty thousand are worth a quarter million dollars. Mm -hmm. So within the past five years, you know. So yeah, and it's crazy. You can't leverage it. You can't. You can't do the bird method. You can't pull out. So. Can't do the SR loans. Yeah. It's just straight. It's right there. Yeah. Okay. But it's good cash flow. You know, it's just excellent like, cash flow. Yeah. All right. So you got thirty of them. Thirty yeah. something. Okay. And then from there, so you got your wholesaling, you got rentals, which is now I imagine doing pretty good for you. Um. I guess there's a personal question here. If you took everything off the table, could you live off the rentals alone? Yeah. yeah so so you've got financial freedom right now already. Yeah. Now you're also doing fix and flips. Yeah. So talk to me about your fix and flip operation. So the fix and flip operation, but coming back to the rentals, right? Mm -hmm. So the way you manage the properties in the south side of Chicago, for anyone that wants to get in, like, hey, I don't want to take interest. I don't want to take loans. How do I go this route? So once I started wholesaling, I started building capital from there. From there, I put it in rentals. And then as soon as you have a few rentals, I would say about like four or five rentals, then you hire a property management company because mm -hmm. you don't have time to manage these properties yourself. Oh, definitely right? not. You're a business owner. So then I had a property management company manage all these properties, and they still manage it till this day. They only charge me like $100 a month, right? Or they mm -hmm. charge you like 6%, whatever the case is for management. And now I just delegated all that. So they talk to all the tenants. They basically get it, you know, how to prove they basically get the vouchers for you know make sure everything mm -hmm. is qualified everything is good with the tenants and just keep them occupied right they're dealing with the tenants they're dealing with the government make everything. sure the money is direct deposited exactly so just them alone are basically you know managing the whole rental portfolio mm -hmm. yeah right and then getting coming back into uh, fixing and flipping the question mm -hmm. that you asked so fixing and flipping you got to know your numbers what it comes down to is knowing your numbers as a wholesaler you know, if you buy at a good price, that's when you make money. Mm -hmm. So us buying, the properties are too good to be sold. If I buy a property for $60,000, ARB is three hundred, right? So I know the property needs about a, you know $100,000 worth of work. So if I'm in it for one sixty dollars to sell for three hundred, after paying closing costs, commission, even real involve a realtor, a realtor, you know, commissions, I'm still making $100,000 on the spread. 
I'm taking that one down, mm-hmm. right? It's because of the capital I built from wholesaling. So right. now it was a mission too, you know, like I said, hurdles, right? Same thing, finding a good GC is the hardest part mm-hmm. in Chicago. Chicago is a great fix and flip market. Fix and flip and rental, it's phenomenal. Wholesaling, not so much because of regulations, mm-hmm. but you could still do innovations in Chicago, so yeah. you know, with the realtors. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of innovations there, but now I'm doing it at a national level. So we're in like Wisconsin, Indiana, Missouri, Florida, you know, all the Midwest states, and then also some other states as well. Yeah. So coming back to fixing and flipping, if you have a good team, if you have a good, you know, contra- a GC, mm-hmm. and he has a good team, you can make a good amount of money. So yeah. now we're doing about eight to 10 a year. And I only do six-figure flips, so I only buy deals that I acquire from my wholesale business. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, a GC, if you're, um, you know, want to buy rentals, if you want to do fix and flip, if you want to do, you know, build your portfolio, whatever you want to do, you need to start with wholesale real estate because you are the main source. You're going direct to the homeowner, mm-hmm. direct to the seller, acquire that property, and then if it's a good deal, you know, first if you don't have capital, build your capital that way. Once you build your capital, now you're like, hey, I have a hundred thousand dollars saved up. Now let me indulge in this activity of right. fixing and flipping and double up my money yeah so that's what we did yeah. okay so eight to ten flips a year so nothing crazy um and then they're all same part of town yeah all over south side of chicago yeah. west side of chicago i only do six figure flips mm-hmm. right so, so i have to make at least a hundred thousand dollars on this flip so if i even do eight to ten you know close to a million eight hundred to a million dollars and right. we're trying to ramp it up because right now we have two gcs that work for us mm-hmm. and we're just supplying them right it takes about anywhere from like two to three months to do the flip so now we're actually trying to ramp it up to like four or five GC so we could do 20 plus flips on a, you know, on a yearly basis. How much are you paying your wholesaling company on these deals? How much am I paying my wholesale company? Yeah, so you're flipping eight to 10. How much is your flipping company paying your wholesaling company? It all depends. If, if I'm taking down these deals myself, I'm not even paying my wholesale company. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, I'm, t- I'm buying this myself. I'll pay my acquisition because how I have it structured my, I don't make the calls myself, right? Mm-hmm. So the warm leads come from my co-callers. Mm-hmm. They go to my acquisition, right? My acquisition is working for 15% commission on that assignment. Also, um, you know, he gets a little salary for the monthly basis. So if I'm knocking that property down, which they know, if I'm knocking it down, I'll give them 5K. Mm-hmm. So I would say you know, my wholesale company wouldn't make anything. It's just my acquisition would make 5K because they know I'm making 100,000 on this mm-hmm. deal. And if I wholesale that, I would make, you know, 20, 30,000. So, right. you know. Okay. Um, so talk to me about the challenges wholesaling right now in Chicago. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a law where you can't wholesale more than one property, mm-hmm. right? If you're not a licensed realtor. So I'm not licensed, but what we, how we do it is we have someone on our team that's licensed, mm-hmm. right? So he's the one that basically lists all the property, wholesales for us for, you know, for a fee. You know, mm-hmm. he's happy to work for 2%, 3%. So, you know, he makes a few thousand dollars, we make a few thousand dollars, right? So he doesn't have to pay any money for marketing. He doesn't have any expenses when it comes to that. He just utilizes his time. Uh, so you said you pay, you, you pay him a, a fee. So what's the fee you're paying him? So it all depends. If it's a novation, he gets his regular 3%, mm-hmm. right? Novation, whatever the, you know, is the 3% commission is. And right. then also it depends, right? If it's like a smaller spread, we'll tell him, hey, we're only making 10000 on this deal. You know, I'll give you $2,000 for this or 2500 mm-hmm. He's like, okay. You know, because once you build that relationship with them, and they work with you. I made him over, you know, half a million dollars just off the past few years. So he's like, right. you know, he's willing to work with me, right? So. Yeah. Okay. And then you're also an Airbnb. Yeah. Still. Yep. Airbnb. Because thing is, there's two ways to do it, right? You could either go the regular rental, right? The mm-hmm. regular rental route, right? Where I'll give you an example. If a property is making $1,000, right? If the property is making $1,000 or $1,500, a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, it's going to make you about $1,500 in Chicago. 
Now, if we take the same property and put it on AirDNA, that will tell you the comparables of other properties mm -hmm. that are, you know, that are making, you know, X amount of money. So now, if that property, if I put on a regular rental, it's making me fifteen hundred, and I compare that to my Airbnb, and if I see, you know, significant growth, like I'll make two two X or even five X the amount of money. I have some properties that are making two X, three X, right? Mm -hmm. I even have a property that we're doing Airbnb arbitrage as well. So we're even making five X. So on a property that I was, I'm paying five thousand dollars a month. We're making $25,000 a month from that property alone. Mm -hmm. So you need to compare and contrast because some properties are not really good for Airbnb, but right. you got to look at the comparables from AirDNA. Yeah. So, so you're having success with this still? Yeah. Because I'm hearing a lot of people struggling with Airbnbs. So right now, there's downside to it too. So sure. right now, uh, last month, this month, and, you know, like around the around this time when it's like New Year's, like Christmas holidays and stuff like that, some units are doing good, some aren't. But what we do, we go to travel nurses, right? There's a mm -hmm. website where you basically go to travel nurses, you list a property there, and then now you have travel nurses renting out your property for two, mm -hmm. three months, and that takes care of the, you know, of the rent. And this is, again, this is such probably a, a stupid question. Everyone might be getting tired of it, but Southside Chicago. Yeah, Southside Chicago. You're doing Airbnbs in Southside Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so are these, uh, do these properties have any intangibles that make them stick out? So... The way our interior designer, he does a phenomenal job. He mm -hmm. does like, you know, like he'll have um, special types of setups, right? But the ones that we own are in Southside Chicago that we're doing it. But now we actually opened up Airbnb Arbitrage where mm -hmm. we don't even have to own the property. So we rent the property. We're having like around the Logan Square area, Hyde Park area, you know, where like Obama Library and all that good stuff is, right? So now we're just renting from there and we're just putting on Airbnb, you know, Airbnb and just mm -hmm. making 2x after paying rent, we're making as much as a landlord, right? Yeah. So that's where we see like a little bit more success because those are high end areas. Mm -hmm. And just to like acquire a property, there's like half a million dollars. So there are a lot of people I'm hearing that are struggling with this, right? And so I've never really gotten too deep into Airbnb. It's just, I always kind of looked at it as like, well, I don't like the downside of it. And the downside for me is like, you know, if the uh, city or the county or the state or the HOA says, hey, this is not Airbnb anymore. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Right. So I know I lost a ton of money on the table. So I'm not, again, I'm not as well versed in Airbnbs. So what are you doing with your Airbnbs, with your Airbnbs that other people aren't, that are struggling at this moment? What I recommend, you got to stand out. You got to make it unique to where it's like, I'll give you an example. There's some where you can make it to like uh, a lover's type, right? Where basically how we promote it, we have like flowers in a heart shape. We have candles. We have it for, like, couples. We have, like, kids section. We'll, like, make it into, like, cars, you know? So our interior designer will make it, hey, this is, like, a boy's room, girl's room, family room. So, like, the way you base it, you got to make, make it, like, niche base, mm -hmm. right? Like, hey, this is a certain crowd that's going to buy this. This is, like, people that want to have their anniversary here. It's people, And they'll pay $1,000 a night mm -hmm. for those type of things, you know? Yeah. So even if you get a few of those a month, it rents 3000 You get three bookings at $1,000. That, that pays the rent. Imagine yeah. if you get five, six, seven bookings. Right. You know, 2X. So. Yeah, I, I know um, we went down to Orlando for uh, Disney World with my family. Uh, so we went to we went to Family Mastermind, ClickFunnels, and then Disney World. And while we were there, at Disney World, um, Universal Studios. Uh, and while we were there, you know, a friend of mine, Leon Barnes, says, hey, you know, check out these Airbnbs that are designed. Like, they're Harry Potter World and yeah. this and that. I was like, dope. Like, I will check it out. And I did. I was like... Money these guys are commanding <laughs> for this insane, yeah. is not what I want to pay, yeah. <laughs> right? Because I think it was like 
hotel in Orlando, it's stupid cheap. It's like 115 bucks for like a decent hotel yeah. a night, right? Because it's a, it's a resort. It's a it's a tourist town. It's not like you go to Orlando to hang out in Orlando. Right. You go there to go to theme parks. But then I was looking at these, you know, the Harry Potter world Airbnb. Is like I don't want to spend 400 bucks a night. Yeah. But someone will. Yeah. Yeah. You have kids, right? Suppose you got three kids. Yeah. Three kids. You have a daughter. Three girls. Three girls, right? You have three daughters. So imagine they love princesses. They mm-hmm. love Barb. They love like you know what they love, right? right. So it's like that co- attraction of pink, right? Pink, mm-hmm. red, like you know, like feminine colors, right? Mm-hmm. So if, now if you have a you know like you said niche base where it's like you got princesses, you have like you know Barbied up. Like, Daddy, I want to, you know, live in this one. Can you right. please get me this one? If you mm-hmm. do show it to them, they're five, six years old. Like, hey, look, what do you think of this one? Okay, mm-hmm. you know? And now for you as a father, you want to give them a good experience, right? right. So you're like, you know, it's only once we're here at Disney World. I'm already spending thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. What's another $400 a night going to, you know, compared to $200 for a hotel? So Yeah, for me, it was just worth for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I see the value there. Yeah. Right? Like, for someone else, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. For us, it, I, just, I just didn't see the value there because... The other thing too, right? And maybe I'm just too uh, what's wrong? Um, uh, not, uh, I mean, stingy. Um, there's another word for it, but you know, penny pinching, right? Mm. Uh, but it's that um, miser, right? I mean, we just do miserly, but you're never in the place, right? Yeah. Like you're always at some event or you're at some right. restaurant or this. Like you're never in the property. But like, I'm glad to hear that's working for you. So uniqueness, standing out on the photos. I imagine there's some techniques for super host strategies and this oh, and yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we're super host, and the way we do it is photography is everything. You mm-hmm. know, like you said, you need to have good pictures, right? So yeah. it's like we hire the best of the best. Just our photographer, we're paying him a few hundred dollars. You can get photography done for fifty bucks, hundred bucks, you know, but we're paying him over three hundred fifty dollars just for quality pictures, right? Yeah. So like well, that's your advertising. Yeah, that's what it is. Same yeah. thing with wholesaling. If you don't have good pictures, you're not selling that property. Right. Right. So. And then somewhere along the way, you started a property management company. Yep. Talk to me about this. So this is actually pretty interesting, right? So we just basically opened up a storefront of property management, and we actually white-labeled another property management company. Mm-hmm. So now as brand owner, right, as us, me having a brand, dealing with property, selling it to investors, now we're also pitching, hey, I know you're buying rentals. If you need these managed, let me manage them, mm-hmm. right? So not only I'm going to supply you these off-market deals in the south side of Chicago, right, or anywhere in, in Illinois, I'm also going to manage it for you. Mm-hmm. So we're pitching that. You know, as soon as they buy three, four properties, homeowner and like landlords, they know, hey, this is a headache and a half. All right. Right. I can't. After you get to a certain amount, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they're working nine to fives, they're making good money, and they're diversifying their portfolio, right, into real estate. But then once they get into real estate and having rentals, they know, hey, this is like a full time gig, right? Mm-hmm. Dealing with tenants, this, that. Oh, there's some always some type of issue coming up. So because I'm, you know, landlord myself, so I saw that problem. So then I was like, hey, let me white label this, mm-hmm. put my brand on the line, and then also sell them the properties as well as bring them in for, you know, property management. So now we have about 140 doors or something, you know, that really? we're managing. Yeah. So logistically, like I know how it works with like software, yeah. right? Uh, I think uh, FreedomSoft is like one of the biggest ones, right? Actually, uh, even PropStream for the longest time was constantly white labeled. They didn't even come out until like 2019 or 2020 yeah. to be their own company. So I understand the concept for software. It's just a different URL, a different logo, yeah, and that's different. it. And all the emails just come from that company. Yeah. But it's just software. Yeah. There's no, it's very limited customer service. Yeah. Right. Like when you call the company, 
I would imagine they wouldn't say this is PropStream. They would call it like this is whatever the white label was. Yeah. How do you guys deal with that in property management white labeling? Because this is the first time I've heard anyone white label property management company. So we have virtual assistant that mm -hmm. handles everything. Whatever mm -hmm. comes in, sends it over to the actual property management. They have mm -hmm. an admin also. So my virtual assistant's communicating with their admin and just getting things done. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so, so you just have a singular or multiple, one, one point of contact or multiple points one of contact? One point of contact. One point of contact. And so she is the face. Yeah. As far as customers are concerned, she is more or less the end all be all for the property management company. Yeah. And she is really just managing another property management company. Yeah. It's pretty simple, right? It's yeah. just like whatever complaints are coming in, pass it over, they'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. They also have their own construction company. So suppose you need something fixed. Suppose like the HVAC problem or like a faucet broke, you know, mm -hmm. you need, might need new vanity, whatever the case is. Let them know. They'll send someone out there, get it fixed, cool. Mm -hmm. Build a landlord, let them know, hey, this is what it is. You know, get it done. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a pretty smart move. I haven't heard anyone do that, right? Like, we will we'll white label um, all sorts of different services, but property management, that's a new one. I have never never heard that one before. Yeah. Um, and then with all this stuff you got going on, you do a ride share thing. Yeah. So ride share. Is ride share before or after the Airbnbs and the and the property management? I did ride share. I started before Airbnb. So okay. the ride share, I started with like two, three cars, mm -hmm. right? So I had my brother managing it, helping me out. And then I got my dad involved. I was like, hey, pops, you know, like this is, you know, let's try this out. So now we have our own repair shop, right? Where we basically only do our own things. We have one mechanic, repair shop, and then my uncle, right? And my dad, right? So it's like three people in the whole office. Mm -hmm. And how we do it is we don't do it the Turo route. A lot of people think, oh, ride share Turo. That's not, you know, that's or not my head do. went. Yeah. So, you know, that's not what we do. What we're doing is we're buying fuel efficient vehicles, right? Toyota Camrys, Toyota Priuses, you know, under $10,000. And then what we're doing, we're marketing it on Facebook Marketplace. We're marketing it on our own website, right? Letting people know, hey, are you looking for an opportunity? Want to make $1,000 or $2,000 a week, right? Working for yourself? You know, if they say yes, cool. We get them approved for, um, you know, Uber Eats, food delivery. We give them all these options, right? Mm -hmm. We tell them, hey, vehicles approved, right? Is all you have to do is use your, you know, make an account, input the insurance, input your driver's license, just log in, just start working. You're going to make $1,000. If you put in the work, you're going to make $1,000. Mm -hmm. And these vehicles are fuel efficient. So, you you know, and we're put, charging like 225 to 250 a week, right? So we're, you know, charging fairly a low amount. This is kind of like a biz ops opportunity. Yeah. Right? Is that what you, this you is? You could say that, yeah. Um, so I was like, hey, um, you want to make some extra money, um, but you don't have a car to do this with, or I guess you were saying this car is approved for Uber Eats. So you already registered a car and got everything approved. Yeah. So, so everything, because we include the maintenance, insurance, everything. So it's not the driver profile, no. it's the car's profile. Yeah. The is vehicle, that how it typically works with those? No, you, you need actual user, you need your own profile, mm -hmm. right? So we tell them, hey, the vehicle's good, right? The vehicle's fully 100% uh, insurance, right? Full coverage, we have maintenance on, you know, and you get the vehicle. Right, mm -hmm. everything is good to go. So that way, you don't even have to use your own car because it gets expensive. If you're driving your own car, you know you got maintenance, you gotta you pay for your own insurance, mm -hmm. plus wear and tear, tires. Because you already know when you do ride share every month, you gotta get an oil change. You got something going on with your tires. You got something going on with your car. You're putting it to abuse, right? Yeah. So it's like we're like, hey, don't worry, because we have a repair shop, so it costs us pennies on the dollar, right? Right. So we're supplying them the vehicles. And they're utilizing their time. And making anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars a week, right? So you're using your auto repair company, kind of like uh, a lot of these flippers that own their own construction company. 
Yeah. You can do it a lot cheaper than them. And that's where the arbitrage comes in. Exactly. It's fascinating. Yeah. So where'd you get this idea? Man, I, we just started, you know, started with two cars mm-hmm. and, uh, we just like, hey, let's rent them out. Let's see if we can rent out cars. Because, you know, my dad, um, his friends and stuff were doing, like, taxi business. Mm-hmm. The taxis are drying, you know, dying out. Taxis are nowhere to be found anymore, except, like, maybe New York City and some, you know, major cities. But everywhere else is Uber. Like, mm-hmm. I came here in an Uber, right? right? So, like, who orders a taxi now? So I was like, man, I know there's a lot of people. And the thing is, one of my friends, he actually told me that he's like, hey, I need a car so I could make some money on the side, Uber right. and stuff. So that's what we actually got it for. We got it for him. And he's like, I'll pay you, you know, every month. I'll rent a car from you. So I was like, okay, cool. And not only him, then we got, we're like, hey, if I see an opportunity here with him, I'm like, we're, we get paid to solve problems, right, in wholesaling. So I got that mentality. I was like, hey, how do I solve problems? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your problem? You got something going on? Let me see if I can solve it, right? Yeah. So I saw a problem. You need a vehicle to make money. I'm like, oh, cool. So just solving his problem is just getting him a vehicle I'm making money on the back end. Mm-hmm. So I, then I found one another person. Then I found another person. Then I started marketing it. And then we got more people. Then we're like, hey, is this legal? Right? So and then I hired an attorney. I was like, attorney, I need an actual agreement. Mm-hmm. That's where I could do this legally. And then we got commercial insurance. We got to make sure, hey, you can't just do this on personal insurance. Because once you get over 10 vehicles, each LLC has its own Every 10 vehicles, is per, you know, it has to be dedicated to one LLC for yeah. lawsuits and stuff, you know, litigation and stuff. So we're like, okay, cool. So now we have seven different LLCs, actually mm-hmm. eight LLCs now. Each one has 10 vehicles in there, mm-hmm. right? And then having the correct contract where it's, hey, if we don't pay us in a week, we can actually repo the vehicle. Mm-hmm. We could report it as stolen. So having that contract, and that, that contract cost me anywhere from like 2500 bucks from, you know, from an attorney. Yeah. And that contract allows us to, you know, you know, have 73 vehicles now. So 250 a week, a thousand bucks a month, 73 of those. Yeah. What is the margins on something like that? 50%. Is it 50%? Yeah. That's after paying the repair shop and everything. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty good. And you got that one with your brother and your dad? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. And everything's tracked. So let me show you. I don't know if the the audience can see this. It's going to be hard for them to see, but go ahead. So this is the app that we have. Let me log in. So this is the app, and everything's tracked, right? Mm-hmm. To where? Yeah, that guy's just Uber Twenty Seven. Yeah, this is Uber Twenty Seven. See, so look. Yeah. So. So we got all these guys in Chicago. It tells us how fast they're going. So this guy, see how fast it tells you how fast they're going, where they're located, mm-hmm. you know, all that good stuff. And that's right? an app that someone else, if they wanted to, follow this path of having a, uh, multiple cars to rent out. Exactly. So this yeah. software was for actually um, for taxis, people yeah. that own taxi companies, right? So we're uh-huh. like, hey, so we found a software that you could just track. You could track anything. You could track your Turo cars with this. Mm-hmm. You could track your Uber cars. You could track your own personal car, right? right. So it's called Teletrack Navigator. Mm-hmm. So we use them, and it's like $17 or something a month. So How much effort is involved in running this one? Not much, man. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, everything's pretty much automated. So I have my mechanic. He does all the repairs, right? Mm-hmm. For lease collection, it's... Zell, they could do, you know, it's, you know, it's Zell's everything now. Or right. they could come in, in person, check, you know, cash, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for one guy, we have one guy for collections, right? And um, if they don't pay, they already know what's the consequences, right? They're just going to get right. repoed. So for them to make money, they need that vehicle, mm-hmm. right? So they're like, this is our my lifeline, my well, bloodline. It's a business investment for them. Exactly. Uh, and then somewhere along the way, you mentioned also the right uh, the auto repair component. Yeah. 
So you're also an owner in the, in the auto repair. Hundred percent, yeah, man. So why auto repair? Because that's not that's got nothing to do with wholesaling. Yeah, everyone has a vehicle. Everyone get, wants to get it repaired. Mm -hmm. So we're like you know, why not open it to the public as well? And yeah. what it, what it comes down to, the game of business is the same game, right? Systems, process, and people, right? Yeah. So once you market anything and you have the correct systems and processes mm -hmm. and people in place, you could, you know, run the run the business. So well, sure, sure, you could. I, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, like I think. Um, we see a lot, actually Stratton Brown, he posted something I think this morning or yesterday was that, you know, wholesalers don't get rich wholesaling, right? Wholesalers make money wholesaling. Build a capital from there. And then they start other businesses. Yeah. You have, I think, a similar problem that I have, which we have an addiction to starting businesses. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I guess for myself, I justify it. I'm not saying this is right. I just justify this, right? It's like they're all in the same ecosystem. Yeah. Right, they're all within real estate, except for sales. Sales is the first one that's outside of real estate. But that was just because we went from real estate sales trainer to now just sales trainer. So everything's kind of like evolved and like the, the it's kind of like the blob, right? It just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 100%. But auto repair, very different than wholesaling, fixing, and flipping. No, it makes sense. All right, so how, how, how did you get into auto? So like you said, what I started, when I started wholesaling, I looked for business around there. So virtual assistants, CRM, wholesaling, fixing and flipping, rentals. Everything was in that real estate space. Yeah, yeah. all those make sense to Yeah, me. all of the stuff. In the, but then I'm like, hey, let me see what other businesses are there. Mm -hmm. So, and then once I started seeing some profit, because the thing is, I started um, my own marketing company. I started a print shop. I started a cell phone shop. So, I, you know, just playing around, right? So these are the, these are the winners. These are the winners. These are the seven <laughs> figures, you know, yeah, high six these figures. are the winners. Yeah. These are the ones that are still on the craps table. Yeah. So the other ones, you know, because I started maybe, over, like you said, you have addictions. I started maybe like close to 40, 50 companies, right? So these are the ones that are still here. So there are 40 failures that we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Okay, so before we get back to here, what are the major failures along the way? Man, there's a lot. Cell phone shops. Uh, I made some money, but, you know, it's not as much. Not worth much, the time. Yeah, not worth the time. Uh, I had a print shop, mm -hmm. you know. We are making signs, e-commerce. Um, you know, all types of random stuff, you know, right. partner up in like in a restaurant. Restaurants, the worst business to get into, you know, <laughs> it's just consumer so much time and the margins are just so, it doesn't make sense, you know, a lot of leftover stuff. Um, what are the margins in restaurants? Man, it's, it's like 20%, you know, yeah. yeah, it's low. And then you have a lot of waste too. It's like, hey, mm -hmm. if it doesn't sell, guess what? It's cuts in your profits, you know, cuts in the margins. So it's right. like, it's, uh, okay. you got out of there. So um, looking back, the one that you regret the most is cell phone or restaurant or other? Man, I don't regret anything, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm blessed to even have the opportunity to get into those business. And I feel like every business gave me the opportunity to learn something, mm -hmm. right? So cell phone stuff, I learned sales. I learned how to, you know, orchestrate, how to communicate, how to perform, right? It, you know, and I started, like, learned, like, different languages, like Spanish. I learned Spanish in my cell phone shop because we were in, like, an Hispanic neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. So learning that. Um, and just like, you know, having, um, learning about phones and stuff, right? Same thing with uh, restaurants, learning how to cook a little bit, you know, how to get behind the kitchen, you know, behind the stove a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I even had a, you know, construction business too, where I used to have my own, you know, I used to do property preservations and mm -hmm. stuff. So we don't do that anymore. Now we hire co contractors to do it because it's a lot, huge liability. You need to have license, bond, to have your own construction company, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have our own construction company. We just outsource other GCs. Right, so I even had that. So man, along the way, you just learn. You live and you learn, right? So, property preservation is one of those businesses that I can't e imagine ever wanting to get into. Um, 
because when we used to do all those foreclosure properties, right? Because I used to list properties from banks. Yeah. And I would meet these property preservation people, right? And they're the ones that had to go in there and change oh, the locks. Yeah. And they had to go in there and um, like haul out people's stuff. Yeah. It's big money there. There's know? big money there. There's also lot. like, you know, the guy that was shot, um, I think it was a surprise around here, but it was on the west side of town. Mm. Right? Because like you have to go change the lock, secure the property. Yeah. Make sure no one's going in this property when they're not supposed to go in this property. Yeah. So they would board it up, change the locks, whatever. Some people don't take kindly to that. Yeah. So that's like talking about uh, that's dangerous risk. business. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing it like West Virginia and I had to do it myself. You know, I was like, hey, you know, I had to get, I had one employee. It was me and him. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let me get into it. Let me see how much the money we can make out of this. We made some good money, like 10000 a month. You know, I was like, oh, it's a good month after paying mm -hmm. him 3K. They were doing decent, but then it was just too much time that was being consumed. I was like, I could have been doing better things. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, it's, it, it's, important work and you get paid well, but that's not a business you can scale. Yeah. Time is money, man. So it's like, we all have the same amount of time in a day, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it takes the same amount of time to make $10,000 and it takes the same amount of time to make $100,000, right? Mm -hmm. Depends on what you do, right? You could be targeting a list, you talking to a seller and making small assignment fees, or you could be talking to a seller making huge assignment fees. It's right. depending on what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? Because I know some wholesalers that don't touch anything under 20000 Like, yeah, 20000 is like, I know some wholesalers that don't touch anything under 50000 mm -hmm. There's certain markets that you could get into that are 50K spreads, like uh, Washington, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Seattle, there's six-figure spreads there, you mm -hmm. know? So if you focus on that market, and then Indiana, under 20K spreads, you know? So it depends on which market you're playing with and, mm -hmm. you know, what tactic you have. So yeah. learning that, I was like, yo, time is money. So it takes the same amount of time to make this or that. So let me see. I already put my, you know, time towards something that's going to give me a better return, a better right. ROI. So. Um, and then somewhere along the way, you started a VA staffing company. Yeah. So... And that's different than a cold calling company. Or that's the same company. Same company. Okay. So what 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 prompted you to do this? So virtual staffing, right? So what I did was in my you know in, in the in the time being of being in cold calling, it was like four years in, and I was getting cold callers from Philippines, from Fiverr, you know, just utilizing other systems, mm -hmm. other uh, you know other companies, and I wasn't getting that quality that I want, you know, because right. I had to train myself. Uh, and then even after training them, they might quit because they don't like doing this. And now mm -hmm. they're finding me a replacement. It was like a whole headache and a half. So yeah. I have to retrain and do all this. I was like, man, I get, there's a better, there has to be a better system. So you're talking about in this situation, you you were using agencies. Yeah, I was using agencies. I was using Fiverr, Upwork, you mm -hmm. know, stuff like that for cold calling. Right. Right. Because cold calling is a $4 an hour job or even less in some, you know, some countries. Mm -hmm. You can pay them 2 $3 an hour. Right. So I'm like, for me to cold call or for anyone to cold call, it's it's not worth it, you know? Yeah. It's like tedious tasks. Right. So I'm like, I got to be talking to the warm leads, the money producing activities. So I was like, I got to be in the acquisition seat, right? Mm -hmm. So either it's inbound leads, PPC, Facebook ads, right? Or you have, um, you know, direct, I feel like cold calling is the best way of doing direct marketing, right? Going direct to the homeowner, telling them, hey, I'm a local investor in the area, are you looking to sell, right? If they're getting a yes, cool, now, I'll talk to him rather than spending eight hours cold calling and getting rejected. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's well worth it for me to talk to more more motivated leads. Right. right? So I flew down to Egypt because I met this one guy from Fiverr, mm -hmm. and he was an acquisition for me. Right. I was like, hey man, I want to get good quality people. Can you help me? He said, yeah man, I go. You know, um, you know, he got his bachelor's degree there. He's like, dude, I know all the people here. We mm -hmm. go to libraries and market there. I can market in colleges and this. I'm like, yeah, give me ten callers. You know, mm -hmm. he's like, I got you. 
few weeks in, he got me 10 collars. I trained them. Everything is good. I'm making, you know, I'm getting two warm leads per day. And, you know, I'm like, hey, this is working. I'm making just off 10 collars. I was making over 50K a month, just off assignments. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I was like, hey, let me get a few more. And then I was like, hey, you could supply me with the cold callers and they're performing and I'm training them. So I think we have something here, right? right? So once you start posting checks online, like, hey, I just made $20,000, $50,000 weeks. You know, like last week we made 50K on assignments, right? Like, hey, guys, this is just an example, right? Mm-hmm. Once you tell people, hey, you know, this is another way to make money, right? Yeah. And they're like, yo, how do I do this? I'm like, Dude, I kind of have the formula. I've been doing this for six years mm-hmm. with the correct systems, CRM that I'm using, the same SOPs that I have, right? Um, the same marketing channels that I'm using, the same list that I'm targeting, A to Z, you can make the same amount of money because all right. you're doing is copying and pasting. Mm-hmm. You do coaching yourself. Your students are just copying and pasting what you're doing for your business, right? right? So I'm like, yeah. And, it, you know, us as um, business owners, we're like, hey, coaching is one aspect, another stream of income, but also you're helping people change their lives. I have students that used to work at airports that mm. did stuff that I did, pizza delivery driving, this, this, and now they're making $10,000, $15,000 a month to where they could provide food for their family and, you know, do b- bigger and better things for themselves. Yeah. So just seeing that, I was like, yo, that's, now that's a purpose right there, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, okay, that's my, that's my purpose. I got to help other people. So now I'm out here trying to make, I'm trying to change 100 million lives. Mm-hmm. Before I used to pray for $100 million. Now mm-hmm. I'm praying for God, give me the opportunity to change 100 million lives, mm-hmm. right? So... With that being said, I started a staffing company, started providing other people, the trained cold callers that I use, that I train. Now I have other people that I've trained and now they're training these cold callers and mm-hmm. I have other uh, other influencers that are training these cold callers and now we're supplying people, cold callers, right, for $4 an hour mm-hmm. and they're just bringing warm leads for them, right? And now they're focusing on acquisitions, which is money producing activity. So how does it work, right? So these are VAs that are expecting $4 an hour. Yeah. In Egypt? So we're paying them anywhere from three, three fifty. We're not mm-hmm. our margins anywhere from like fifty cents to a dollar. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't really care about the margins on when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. We care more about the value that we're providing our our investors. So now we have four hundred virtual assistants. Mm-hmm. We're helping them, right? We're helping that country with you know, with you know, helping them helping the virtual assistants provide food for their families. So they're doing right. well. We're making a few hundred dollars every month. You know, it's cool. Our investors are making a few thousand dollars, right? Utilizing this. The other end investor who's buying the property is making, you know, mm-hmm. a, having, having a lucrative deal. Um, the homeowner is being helped. The wholesaler is being paid, compensated. So everyone's winning in this situation, right. right? It's a win-win situation. We're like, hey, let's scale this, right? Well, I'm asking this specifically because I'm seeing a few different models now, right, with the uh, virtual uh, agency-ish model. So there's like the you pay me, like an agency, you pay me 4 bucks an hour. Well, not 4 bucks. You pay me 10 bucks an hour. And then I'm going to pay this other guy three fifty an hour, right? Like that's the model today. You see a lot of agencies doing really well with this model. Yeah. And I'm seeing other people now move away from that model and move towards a, um, hey, you pay me two grand, twenty five hundred for a trained VA, and then you now own that VA, right? And you don't bother me anymore on this VA. And every time you need a new one, two grand, twenty five hundred, yeah. whatever. So I'm seeing this model exist now. So. I'm curious, what is your model for uh, for the VA and then for the your client? So our model is cause now we have over 400 mm-hmm. uh, virtual assistants, and I have some doctors that are working for us because over oh, there, currency is messed up, right? So you're, as a virtual assistant, paying you getting paid in USD is you're making more money doing cold calling, sitting at home, 
or sitting in our office than actually being a doctor mm -hmm. or being an attorney, being a police officer, right? So what we're doing is we put them on a dialer, right? And everything, you don't get one dedicated cold caller because I have guys that have six years experience, 10 years experience, 12 years experience, or even two years experience. Mm -hmm. But everyone that we hire, they're all educated. So they have to get a college degree in English, right? So we only target people from, um, from in the libraries. We target people in um, schools, colleges, stuff like that. So as soon as they graduate, they come work for us, mm -hmm. right? Because we're paying them more money than everyone, you know, whatever their profession is, right? right? So once they graduate, once they're qualified, we train them, they get onboarded. Once they're onboarded, they get dumped into a dialer. So mm -hmm. everything is on, um, they don't have the same client every day. So we switch everyone around. So the same credentials, how it works is the wholesaler will buy data, right? They'll buy it from PropStream, they could buy it from Kindskip Tracing, wherever they buy it from, mm -hmm. right? Once they buy the data, they input it in a dialer, it's called ready mode, or we could you know, input it for them. Once it's inputted, we supply whatever, however many cold callers they want. Suppose they want two cold callers. We basically put those two cold callers um, on the dialer, and then what they do is just they call, and all mm -hmm. the metrics are there. So they're guaranteed to get two warm leads per day, and the metrics on cold calling is you get 60 um, you know, warm leads on a monthly basis. It takes about 28 to 30 warm leads to get a contract. Mm -hmm. So you should get about two contracts a month per cold caller, right? So everything, all, everything's all tracked. All the metrics are there. Talk time, uh, how many hours they worked, um, A to Z, how many were answered, how many were declined, how many went to voicemail, how many were wrong numbers. You see all the metrics on ready mode. So that's what we use for, it's a CRM slash a dialer, right? right? So that's what we do. Like, hey, you want it full-time, 45 hours a week? Cool. We're going to give you 45 hours on this dialer, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes, you know, virtual assistant gets sick or whatever the case is, take him out, new virtual assistant, and everything's like you could hear all the calls. You could listen to all the calls. We could do live transfers, A to Z. So this is even different than the two models we talked about because, like, again, the agency is just arbitrage for a person. Here you're kind of like plugging into a bank of VAs. It's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's almost like um, I mean they're interchangeable. Yeah, more or less. Interchangeable. There's a word for it too. Um, I forgot what we called it. There's a word for it where we you know interchangeable where mm -hmm. you don't have a set VA. Right. It, you know it circulates. Yeah, but you get you get a certain number of hours of VA yeah. calling. You're just paying for the hours. Like, how many hours do you want? You want 180 hours? Okay, 180 hours is going to cost you $720, mm -hmm. right? So that's what it is. They pay for that. And yeah. then they get 180 hours worth of calls for the, those four weeks. So how is this beneficial for you? And I'm asking this question because we were saying a moment ago, right? Like, same amount of effort to make 100 bucks, 1000 bucks, 1000 bucks an hour, right? It's the same amount of time. I'm not seeing anything here that's like super lucrative. So what am I missing? We're making because we have 400 now, so we're mm -hmm. making about 400 an hour, right? If I have 400 an hour profit mm -hmm. times that by you know 180 hours, we're still making close to 100, you know, a good amount of money, right? right? You know, we're still making. Uh, I think we we're last month at net profit, we, were, we made like 80,000. So it's like we're still making mm -hmm. money, and plus we're helping. Other people, you know. Well, I get the helping part, but it's also your bandwidth. Yeah. Right. So I'm just looking at this as far as a as a bandwidth. How this makes sense? Because again, like I'm I'm looking at these different models. So it's always fascinating. I have zero desire to be in this industry. Yeah. Right. Like having to service and and we've talked about this on other on other episodes. Having to manage a cold caller as well as manage a client and experience 
with that cold caller. That's two different people that I have to talk to on a regular basis to make them happy. Right. I want no part of that. Oh, same here. I don't deal with anyone. I don't deal with the client. I don't mm-hmm. deal with the cold callers. I don't deal with the managers. So we have, I have a CEO. I'm not even the CEO of this company. Mm-hmm. I have a CEO who hires managers, who mm-hmm. hires quality control, right? So every 25 callers, we have one quality control that logs in, listens to all all the calls. He's picking out, you know, what mm-hmm. calls to do, right? And then each manager is in charge of 100 seats, right? We call them seats per seat. Mm-hmm. So he's managing that. The CEO is managing the whole operations. The only thing I'm doing is I'm jumping on once a week and I'm training mass. So, you know, mm-hmm. on Zoom, you can have 400 people jump on. So I'm doing once a week, I'm doing a one hour, two hour training. Mm-hmm. I'm going over, hey guys, remember, we're not talking about the roof. We're not talking about HVAC. I don't care how old that stuff is. Mm-hmm. I need you to be direct, right? Because the acquisition is going to take over that lead and actually do the, you know, the RRR methods, which is relax, relate, reduce, right? Which mm-hmm. is building the rapport, negotiating, sending the contract. He's going to do all that. He's going to get it locked up. What you guys need to do is, Come in. Hey, Mr. Seller, we're local in the area. We want to buy some properties. Are you interested in selling? Cool, you are? Awesome. Just want to confront the beds and bats. Cool. Three bed, two bed. Okay, awesome. Well, you know, it looks like a good piece of property. Why are you looking to sell it? Get the motive. Okay, cool. That's what it is. Awesome. Send it over. Now mm-hmm. my guy is like coming in. He does a 20-80 rule where he talks about the property 20% of the time. He's like, okay, yeah, I know you spoke with my colleague, Sarah. She said, it's a three-bedroom, two-bathroom. Is that correct? Gotcha. She said, you were looking to sell because of this reason? Gotcha. Okay. Is there anything else we should know about the property? And then go into it. Okay. Well, is it the price or is it something else? You know, how soon do you want to sell? And then he mm-hmm. gets into all that good stuff and right. gets you locked in. And if it's a good deal, if the numbers make sense for both of us, the numbers make sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, not it's not rocket science. It's right. just being consistent with it and getting, you know, property under contract for a discount, mm-hmm. right? And targeting distressed lists and popping off to investors for, you know, to a cash buyer and making 10, 20, even $100,000 on a, you know, assignment. Right. So... Uh, someone wanted to find out more about that. How would they find out about it? For cold calling, you mm-hmm. could go to akcallers.com. Uh, you could also DM me at iHustleBro. I'm on every single platform. Mm-hmm. iHustleBro on Instagram, on X, Facebook, t- uh, TikTok, A to Z, right? Mm-hmm. So, Or you could go to akcallers.com, fill out a form. One of the managers is going to reach out to you. I think that's the best way. Go to the website, fill out a form, and then have them you know, take care of you. Okay. Right? So we talked about multiple businesses, some that are successful, some that did not work out. Um, there's a lot involved in trying to run all these different companies. And you're young, but I don't see any gray hairs yet. Right. So how are you able to run multiple businesses? Man, like I said, it's just thankful that God gave me another day. Mm-hmm. And just by me waking up, just by me waking up is the biggest blessing. Everything else is a plus, mm-hmm. right? So like I said, the reason why I could run multiple companies is by having systems, processes, and people. To delegate and automate any company, you need these three things. Right. So any company that I get into, first I understand the concept. Okay, what, what do I have to do here? Cool. Now what are the roles and responsibilities? How can I delegate these tasks? I'm not gonna. I'm the chairman. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not the one that's even running any of these companies. So I'm right. like, okay, cool. I need one guy to do this. One guy to do this. One guy to do this. I need, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And then I find the people with the capital that I've built. I don't get into anything if I don't have any capital. You can't start a business without any money, mm-hmm. right? You need you need capital, right? So I'm like, okay, I gotta have to allocate a hundred thousand dollars to this business. Okay, cool. My wholesaling, my rentals give me the opportunity to allocate funds to my other businesses, mm-hmm. right? So then. Once I get into it, cool. Now I have to hire people, put these guys, you know, find qualified people, the right people mm-hmm. for these jobs, and then go out there and do sales and marketing, right? Hire a sales guy. Marketing, I use the same agency for everything, you know? 
that agency does everything for me. So how are you finding these people? Virtual assistants or oh, like just employees. Yeah. Most of the things I use virtual assistants for, right? Because mm-hmm. it's affordable and they're qualified and they're all overseas. Um, also, I use like Fiverr, Upwork, Indeed. Like if I need people in office, mm-hmm. then I use Indeed. You know, I use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a phenomenal tool. You can right. get really qualified people there. So. Um, so at a high level, everything that makes sense, right? Get the concept. Makes sense. Uh, determine the rules and responsibilities. Maybe that's not counterintuitive. Maybe not everyone does that. But then hiring the right people and doing sales and marketing, right? At high level, this all makes sense. So even if it makes sense, there are significant challenges with each one of these boxes. So understand the concept. Walk me through what are you doing to understand a concept of a new business. Take, for example, auto repair, right? What, what are you doing to understand the concept? Market research. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking up. Google is a phenomenal tool. Google, YouTube, talking to other investors, talking to other uh, auto repair shops, paying them for their time. Hey, I'll pay you $1,000 to teach me you know, what I need to know. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yo, you need an auto zone account. This is a, a business account. This is where you're going to get wholesale this. Uh, for body parts, you need this. Just like navigating. Like everything that I do now, I hire a mentor. I pay for people's time because mm-hmm. suppose I want to get into making a podcast. You have a phenomenal podcast. It's one of the you know industry leader. You know, so I suppose I want to get into a podcast. I'll be like, hey, Steve, let me pay you five thousand mm-hmm. dollars for an hour of your time because I know you're not cheap, right? So I'm like, for an hour of your time, because what you could do is take someone out on dinner. That doesn't work nowadays. Like yeah. you could buy your own dinner. You don't yeah. really don't need anything from me. Right. But if I give you five k for an hour, you might you might consider that. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I'll give you give you a shot. Right. And now I'm like, hey. What do I do? What, do, what kind of equipment do I need? What do I just, you might be like, I don't even know what equipment that you need. Talk to my guy. Yeah, man, get give, in here. <laughs> yeah, hey, Manny, get in here. This is all the equipment that we have. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I paid you to get access to Manny, mm-hmm. you know, to get access to his information. Right. Cool. Now I have this. Manny's like, hey, you need a guy that you need a choreographer. You need this, 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 whatever the case may be. Right. And then same thing for your equipment. Same thing. What systems, what softwares are well, you using? That's actually the first question that came in. It's like, man, what did it cost to put all this together? Yeah. Right. That's the first question you asked when yeah. you came in. So yeah. like, cause I'm looking to put one together. That's the next uh, stream of income, right? right? So I was like, okay, you know, I have kind of, I have an influence. I have, um, you know, I work with some, you know, heavy hitters in the industry mm-hmm. and just bringing them on my podcast. I know I could bring a lot of value to my audience, right? right? So, you know, with that understanding, anything that I do, you got to find people that are doing what, what you know, mm-hmm. what you want to do and what have, when the things that they have is what you want to have. And that's how you basically skip those hurdles. So step one, interested in, interest in the business. Market research. Before you even put, uh, before you even started, you're talking to operators that are doing it. Exactly. And then figuring out, are you then like, if after talking to operators, like, okay, that's a stupid idea. I am 100%. out. 100%. So you've eliminated business ideas before yeah. after doing your market research. Yeah. Okay. So you do your market research, gather intel, which is really smart. Um, and then uh, there's actually something I talked to Sherrod about. Uh, last week, I was like, hey, if I want to sell something for $100 million, what do I do? And he's like, well, here's what I'm doing, because he's trying to sell something, right, for a significant sum. And he's like, I'm just talking to people that sold their business for $100 million. I was like, that's so obvious. That's it. It's so obvious, right? So, um, so you do your market research, and then you define your roles and responsibilities. How do you go about defining roles and responsibilities? So once you have, once you have a market research, once you understand, hey, is this going to work or not, right? Like mm-hmm. the Toro idea, right? I was looking into getting... G wagons, some you know, 750s, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, some Mercedes, you know, some some nice. They vehicles. look great on Turo. Yeah, they look good, right? But the thing is, the turnaround time. Mm-hmm. You're they're getting rented out for two, three days. Now you have someone have to clean. You can't really scale that. If you have 
70 cars. You have to clean 70 cars every few days. Right. You know, and these are high-end vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a certain like mileage on them if you lease it. And if you if you purchase the vehicle, you're looking at mil millions of dollars just to purchase these cars, right? Yeah. Or Lambo and stuff like that. You get 10 Lamborghinis, you're out a few million dollars compared yeah. to the fuel efficient side. You know, so right. I was like, yeah, this is my capital, right? This is what I allocated. I allocated 50k. Mm -hmm. 50k is not going to get me one of these cars, no. right? 50k is going to get me these cars, like 10 of these cars, mm -hmm. right? Or five of these cars compared to one car here. And this isn't going to make me from the operator. He's saying, hey, I make 5k a month here mm -hmm. off of one vehicle, right? And then I have a turnaround time. This is my turnaround time. This is my roles and responsibilities. And I'm like, dude, you can't really scale this because even if you have a one guy does all the cleaning and stuff, if he's out or, you know, something's going on with him and then the mileage, you know, it was like the whole Single diligence. point of failure. Exactly. So I was like, you know, let me try this route. Mm -hmm. and here I could bring my family in too, right? And, yeah. you know, I have my own shop. I have my pops, you know, I have my, my amigo, my, my mechanic, my mm -hmm. uncle. It's more doable, you know, and it's more scalable doing right. this. So, you know, knowing that, hey, if this works, cool. Now, how much are you going to allocate? Okay, what are the roles and responsibilities? What, how are you going to replace yourself from mm -hmm. this role, from this business? Because every business I get into, I'm like, yeah, I got to replace myself. I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. this. You know, as a business owner, you already know, whenever you start a new company, you're like, okay, how do I replace myself from here? Yeah, how do you it, exit it? Or how do you get yourself out of it? So, yeah. uh, so we, we touched on podcasting, but let's do this thought experiment again. Uh, with another uh, another uh, idea. So I'm sure there's no shortage of other business interests you got at the moment. Yeah. So besides podcasting, what is another hot business interest for you at this at this exact moment? Man, there's a lot. Right. Um, private equity, right? Private equity. So I want to get into. So the way this is one of my uh, one of my friends. He does private equity, mm -hmm. and he told me he said you can't sell a business if you're running in the business. Mm -hmm. So there's certain businesses, right? There's certain spaces like the podcast space. Mm -hmm. Right, the branding—you're having your own brand space. You can't really sell that because mm -hmm. you are the brand. You, right. you, you know, people watch real estate disruptors because of Steve Trang. You know, because yeah. he's—you know—I want to see him talk. I want right. to see him ask questions. He's a real disruptor, mm -hmm. right? So selling, you know, real estate disruptors is going to be hard because you are the brand. So there's certain right. spaces that you can't really sell out, right? right. So I, I'm aware of that. I'm like, okay, personal branding can't sell that. My mm -hmm. own pocket, I can't sell that. There's other businesses and other spaces where you can't sell. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me to sell my businesses, I was like, hey, I need to automate it and delegate it to where it's like, OK, I could exit this right where I'm not present because real investors, they, when they invest. Right. You know, there's multiple ways you can invest. You can invest in assets. You can invest in, um, you know, businesses. And when they invest in businesses, they look for um, a automatic a system where it's like the term was um, a fully automated process mm -hmm. right so they look for something where it's like it's already automated and it's already cash flowing don't get me wrong having your own podcast having your own brand these are phenomenal cash flow right. businesses but when you want to exit a business you need to have it to where it's, it's a fully automated process right. to where you don't even have to be present and then you could sell it for 10x 5x the amount of revenue that's bringing we're know. going back to the private equity component so that's the next Direct, uh, potential next direction buying businesses and selling businesses so right? buying like buying like suppose so, I buy suppose I buy you're um, fixing and flipping businesses yeah okay so you already found someone that you did the market research with yeah that's your buddy in private equity yeah he made over 100 million dollars okay. in this business in this space and he works with he's still doing it to this day right mm -hmm. so what he told me is like I'm actually getting in on with him mm -hmm. so he said hey we need a few hundred thousand you know, we'll get in. You know, he said 300 me, three, he's bringing out 300, I'm bringing 300. And then I have another guy bringing 300. With 900, we're going to acquire something, mm -hmm. right? He's going to do his due diligence. And then after that, he's because it's like same thing with uh, 
commercial res- you know, commercial properties. Mm-hmm. You buy a property, you restabilize it, and then you pop it off. Right. Same thing with a business. You buy businesses from you know mom and pops, or even businesses that aren't mom and pops, like actual uh, you know regular you know fully operating business, right? Mm-hmm. With the correct um, structure, you buy it. You see how you could add value to it, and then you could sell it for twice as much, three and times multiplier. as much. Yeah. So that's what we're getting into, and I feel like selling businesses is better than it's, it's good money. So. You got a buddy, you picked his brain. Are you finding other people to do market research with, or is that you're good there? He's doing, he's, he's the guy, you know? So he's already saying? doing it. Okay. And then roles, responsibilities. But since you already got a partner here, right, you're, you're, you're joining him. The roles and responsibility part's kind of figured out then. Yeah. So he's, you don't really need to. I'm following his lead on this one. Okay. So yeah. then scrap that one. Let's take that off the table. Yeah. What other business ideas are you excited about at the moment? Man, there's a, there's a lot of things. Um, what I wanted to do, my goal was 30 businesses under 30, mm-hmm. right? So I'm sitting at like, you know, 10 right now, 10, mm-hmm. 11. Um, but um, but thing is not just having businesses, having successful businesses, right? Yeah. You need companies that are doing at least six figures net profit, 100K minimum net profit a year, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I consider somewhat successful and at, a, at an automation level, right? Has to be to where, okay, I'm making 100K without me doing anything. Yeah, I feel like that's... You know, it's good that, mm-hmm. you know, and it has to have potential scaling, right? Because right. there's like, suppose a restaurant, you can't really scale a restaurant because you mm-hmm. can only have so many people come in, yeah. right? So I need businesses like a CRM or a virtual staffing company or, or wholesaling or, you know, fixing and flipping companies that could be scalable, mm-hmm. right? For fixing and flipping, I just need more GCs with more crews and acquire more off-market deals. So how do I acquire off-market deals? I got to scale my cold call service. Okay, cool. I need 50 cold calls from my own operation. I need 10 um, acquisitions. So each acquisition has five cold callers. Each acquisition brings me about anywhere from eight contracts a month, right? Eight mm-hmm. contracts a month. I have 10 of them. I'm getting 80 contracts. Yeah. You know, Now, 80 contracts, even if you sell 30% on wholesale, I just have to buy more properties for myself. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm buying more properties for myself, I'm scaling my fix and flip operation. If I want to scale my wholesale operation, I just got to get more acquisitions, more cold callers, spend more money on marketing, right? So it's just like different tactics on if, if, the, if the business is scalable or not, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. once you have that understanding, you get in. That's when I get into it, right? right. So there's some businesses where I'm like, Yo, I can't really scale this. That's why I exit or mm-hmm. I just sell out or I just close it down. You know? So um, you mentioned uh, to me earlier uh, before the show that you've got like these clients right now that are using you for, for, for cold calling. How did you acquire these particular clients? I can't say any names because it's confidential, right? right? But how I acquired them was all through social media, mm-hmm. right? Once you have a brand, other people that have a brand, they'll trust you. And then mm-hmm. me getting on stages, me getting on podcasts, me showing that, hey, I'm a credible source, yeah. Right, because you got sh- you got to be like, hey, you got to show uh, your track record. You know, right. it's not just you, c- you. know, there's a lot of fakes out here, mm-hmm. right? Where there's fake, you know, faking, f- uh, putting fake Lamborghinis. You know, they don't even own. And yeah, stuff. Rented, rented Lamborghinis. Maybe yeah, they right. got it from your uh, your 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 teletrack thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's what they're doing, right? They don't right. even have any track record. I know wholesalers that don't even ha- own any properties. Neither do they flip any properties mm-hmm. or even wholesale. They might wholesale one property of their, you know. Once a year, and then you know, made that ten thousand dollars, and just showing mm-hmm. off that ten thousand dollar check. Yeah. We do, you know, we do that on a consistent basis to where, like, hey, you need to show your track record, mm-hmm. right? And then once you, po- social media is the reason why I got all these, you know, heavy hitters, people that are doing seven figures, eight figures, that have multiple businesses. Yeah, it's because of social media I acquired uh, right. people for my white label service. So then let's talk about branding. Then, how did you develop? How did you develop your brand? So I didn't know anything about branding, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, how do I build a brand? So I hired a market agent. First, I do market research, right? Same thing. Then I find someone that builds brands. I have the marketing company I'm working with right now. I'm paying them about 8K a month. 
and they're the ones that run, you know, different branding, mm-hmm. like, you know, different um, people, different uh, people's brands. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. If I want to build a brand, if I want to do something, I need to hire this person to build my brand, mm-hmm. right? So same thing with businesses, right? You're, if you want your business to do well, you need to build a brand for your business. Right. It's the same type of concept, right? Where if you got to hire people. So when you wanted to get online and build a brand, you didn't just go on and do lives. No. You actually hired someone and say, okay, you're, you build brands, build my brand. Yeah. What was that initial cost? A lot of money. Yeah. A lot. I started with like 4000 4, I didn't build a brand until like last year. Yeah. It's like the first year of me posting consistently. We post mm-hmm. once a day, twice a day, right? Us actually being active um, in, in this space, right? right? Me going live, doing Instagram lives, bringing all their influencers, mm-hmm. getting invited to speak on stages, podcasts, all that good stuff. Yeah. It just happened this year. Before that, I was like, yeah, hey, I got to build my track record. I need to make sure my business and everything are stable mm-hmm. to where if I exit, Right. If I leave my businesses, I know it's still running. Right. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, it was like it was at a time where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to take this next step. So you pay this group or whoever 4K, then what? And then that's that's basically it. They're like, hey, yo, this is what we need to do. We got make reels. We got to talk about this. What's your back end story? What's this? I tell them A to Z. This is what it is. Okay, cool. Let's make a story behind this. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a story sells. People do business with people they like. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm like, hey, you got to basically be likable on social right. media. I'm like, oh, how do I do that? He said, your story is unique. Mm-hmm. You need to basically put your story out there and the ones that are going to like your story, they're going to do business with you. Yeah. Right. So I was like, okay. He's like, but now everyone's going to do business with you because they mm-hmm. don't like I don't know, Middle Eastern. They don't like immigrants. They don't like this or they don't like, you know, wholesalers. Like realtors mm-hmm. don't like wholesalers, right? Stuff like that. But, you know, realtors love wholesalers now. If you make, you know, if you're making more money than mm-hmm. right now, the interest rate is so high. Realtors are not really <laughs> making money, so they're yeah. coming to the wholesale side, right? Yeah. But all that good stuff. Okay, so. so the way you've been able to build your VA staffing company was through social media, and social media was built by you first saying, "Hey, this is something I want to do. Let me go do some market research." find some people, hire them, and then you just kind of follow their lead. 100%. It's due to social media, all my companies grew up 10, you know, 10x, 5x from where they were. Mm-hmm. You know, like even my wholesale company, I have people reaching out to me saying, hey, I had this off-market deal. Hey, you want to JV this? You want, hey, you want to do this? Same thing with coaching. Coaching went skyrocket, right? right. I have 150 students now, all through social media. Mm-hmm. I have over 400 virtual assistants without a single dollar of ad spend. Yeah. And it's been a single dollar aspect. It's all through social media, mm-hmm. through Facebook, through word of mouth, through other investors, us using investor lift, mm-hmm. reaching out to people on investor list because we do deals with them. We're like, hey, I know you're buying deals. Why don't you, you know, start acquiring your off-market deals? You mm-hmm. know? So having, you know, having a, one guy doing outreach like that, dude, just all free. Nothing, yeah. no paid advertisement. Right. Well, and I think this is a powerful message for everyone that's listening, right? It's just the importance of doing social media because obviously I've been doing this. Yeah. Right. Uh, I started the podcast over five years ago now. So it was May of, of, of 18. So five and a half years now I've been doing this. Wow. And I've been saying this, like create content, create content, put yourself out there. But people still don't. Yeah. Right. And you didn't really, it sounds like until about 12 months ago. Yeah. So what was the, did you have a belief that I shouldn't be creating content? I'm not qualified to create content. Like what was the, what was stopping you before from creating content? I feel like this goes for the 99% of people. They're scared. Mm-hmm. Right, because ninety nine percent of people are consumers. There's only one yeah. percent that are creators. 
It's crazy when you yeah. look at the numbers. So it's like, and everyone's scared to take that leap. Like, oh, what if, what if my, uh, what's my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my, my father, my, my family, my friends, my college friends, my high school friends, what are they going to think of me mm-hmm. if I put content out there? You know what I'm saying? They get scared. Like, oh, I don't want to, you know, sound this way. I don't want to do this. I don't, you know? So it's like yeah. 99% are scared to put out content. Mm-hmm. I feel that's what it is. But if you want to scale your business, and if you want to, you know, build your brand, because once you build your brand, you can sell anything. Right. Like I'm selling all eight different businesses on my social media, mm-hmm. right? I have people coming for all different things now because they know, hey, I do this, I do this. Oh, you need it? You want to get into this business? Hey, reach Abdullah. Hey, oh, you want a cold caller? Reach him. Oh, you want to do wholesale deals? This is JV with him. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to learn about wholesaling, okay, all yeah. types of stuff, right? Yeah. Because you put content out there, so that's how you do business. Even if you don't have, like, you could be a barber, right? You could cut hair. And if you want more clients, if you consistently post different haircuts, different this, you're going to get more clients that way. They're going to see yeah. your, you know, your product. What's, yeah. what social media is to showcase your product. That's yeah. all it is. You and can do people, whatever. People that pay attention to your stuff will also pay more yeah. for your services. 100%. It yeah. could be anything. Clothing brand. You could sell, you know. I saw that Ryan Pineda just started launching a clothing line. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, like, see, it's, it's crazy. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's so, all it is. So just repeat it again. The message for someone right here that's on the fence of creating content but hasn't done it yet. What would you say to them again? You got to build your brand. You know, yeah. it's like because 99% are consumers, 1% are creator. Become a creator. That's what I recommend. Because yeah. if you want to start your own business and you want to leave your rat race job, right, you got to start creating content. That's how you're going to build more connections. The reason why I feel like I became, I accumulated more money, I think my network like doubled tripled this year alone because of creating content mm-hmm. because i got connections because i I, find, I met people on social media that i wouldn't have met otherwise right you know and then they actually you know because the thing is when you meet people on social media they're on the same mindset as you mm-hmm. you know they're trying to make money as well resonates yeah it just resonates um so everything is you build a business to get out of the business what are some specific steps you've taken to buy your time back? To buy my time back, I'm really big on this. I have a book coming out on this. Okay, right? buy back your time, right? So, are you sure that's the name of your book? That's not the name of my book, uh, but it's somewhere around there. We're okay, working. I, I'm I, on I, chapter five. I know there's a book already out there. Buy back your time. There's a book that just launched. Um, I think it's this right year. Over, right over there. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, by Dan Martell. Yeah. So <laughs> it's something along those words. Yeah, still, yeah. I'm on chapter five right now. We're not okay. We're, we still have like three, four chapters to go. Okay. So we're still working on that. But it's along those words. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I need to, I want to do something where it's like, hey, buy back your time. That's what the book's about. Mm-hmm. It's about my journey and how I delegated and automated all these companies to where I just bought back my time mm-hmm. to where now if I go on vacation with my wife, with my family, guess what? You know, the business doesn't stop, mm-hmm. right? The business is still running. So it's like, you know, that concept and... Uh, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to now, you know, doing that and helping people out. And I'm going to have a free ebook for everyone. Mm-hmm. So if they, you know, stay tuned. But going back to this, the process, like what, what are the major steps? Because we're talking about like what you want to do, right? And how, how it's done at a high level. But specifically, what are some like two or three or more things that you must do if your intent is to buy back your time? So you need to hire people, mm-hmm. right? So to buy back your time, there's three ways to buy back your time. Systems. You need to implement systems because mm-hmm. without system, systems is the brain of your business. It's the hub of your business. Without a system, you don't know what's going on for that day, right? Yeah. Your system, uh, you know, has your CRM, right? It has all your data, what your to-do list, has your um, your calendar link, right? 
what what are your systems? What what system are you using to buy back your time? Mm-hmm. Right? Then what process? Like what are your SOPs? What process are you using? Right? Because if you without a brain of you know without a hub, you don't really know what's going on. Because the brain is everything, and you know especially in the, compared to human body, mm-hmm. your you know the system is the brain. Yeah, that's where it holds everything. Mm-hmm. Right? The process is like how everything moves. Mm-hmm. Right? The structures. So just having those two things, you could buy back your time. Right. And then having the correct people in place. Mm-hmm. You just because thing is, you have twenty four hours in a day, right? In those twenty four hours, you're working eight hours, right? Some people work sixteen hours. Entrepreneurs, you're sleeping eight hours. You're working eight hours. You have leisure time for the other eight hours. So you only have eight working hours, right? You and me were the same. You got blood going through your veins. I got blood going through my veins. There's no right. difference between us, right? So how do I maximize my time? How do I get more out of today? Mm-hmm. Hiring more people. Right. So if I hire another person, does eight hours, now I have 16 hours mm-hmm. that I'm putting in. Hire three people. Now I hire 10 people, right? So now I have 80 hours for mm-hmm. that one day. Right. Hiring 10 people. Now I just, even if I take myself out the business and just oversee the business, mm-hmm. I just bought, you know, I have 10 VAs. I just bought 80 hours. So conceptually, it's, it's, it's a simple concept. Hire people. Yeah. How are you hiring people the right way? So same thing. Once we have the roles and responsibilities, right? Now it comes back to the SOPs. You need to have the correct responsibilities for these people. You're not just going to hire anyone. Mm-hmm. You need to hire the right person. Hey, I'm yeah. looking for an admin role. Mm-hmm. And for an admin role or, or even like a content creation role, I'm looking for, you know, right now we're, you know, shooting content and all that stuff. I'm looking for a content team to build, you know, make a podcast. You're just like follow me, vlogging, YouTube, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I need one guy just to follow me around everywhere I go. Yeah. Right. This, the budget's 5k a month. Mm-hmm. I need him to know how to edit. I need him to know how to record. He needs to have his own equipment. These are all the, you know, the, the requirements that I need from him. And I also need him to have qualifications. Mm-hmm. He needs to have a college degree in this. You know, he needs to have, he needs to be educated. Right. has to have two years experience. Yeah. You know, like the basic information, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is what I need. Now I'm going to go out there, put a job post, and find the person that fits the roles and responsibility, you know, that the system, the structure of what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. That process, okay, this, this is what I need. This is what I need to find. Cool, let's go find this guy. Right. So that's the right person. Now, yeah, you have interviews going on, a few interviews that you do, but now that you know, hey, if the guy is qualified at this, I know he's going to at least fit the role, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't con- control their personality and stuff like that, but it's like you just got to have a good feel with them, right? You yeah. already know. So looking how your business looks today, particularly you said this year was a huge leap for social media. How did your business look today versus, you know, after your first deal when you were delivering pizzas? Man, it's life changing. It's like, you know, you can't I can't even express it, man. It's just it's huge. Making six figures a month to making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. I mean making six figures a year to making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year to making millions a year, you know? So it's just like it's crazy, man. It's like a roller coaster ride. Life's a roller coaster. I feel like we wouldn't be who we are if we didn't go through that roller coaster ride. Right. You know, everyone's unique in their own way. Mm-hmm. Right. So everyone needs to go through that roller coaster ride, man. Yeah. If I didn't go through that, if I didn't go to delivering pizza and my parents not being immigrants and going through whoever I had to go through, I wouldn't be who I am today. And right. everyone has a different story. You know, some some are getting. You know, it's, it's difficult for people, right? Oh, it's definitely difficult for people. It's difficult for a lot of people, man. Yeah. It's just, but everyone has a story. But the thing is, you can't let that hold you down. 
You know, like I could have been like, oh, you know, my parents didn't really don't really don't come from anything. This is what life is. Mm -hmm. You know, millionaires are not just, you know, are, are our genetics. We're not million. We're not supposed to be millionaires. We're supposed to just work three, four jobs, work hard mm -hmm. and like do this, you know, but I could have stuck at that. But everyone has the capability. Everyone has potential to do what I'm doing. I'm no different than them. Mm -hmm. You know, I just woke up, prayed, thank God for another day and just put in the work, just showed up. That's all I did. Yeah. You know, I showed up for eight months. That's how I got my $2,000 deal, right? I showed up for six years. That's how I became, you know, that's how I'm doing six figures a month in real estate wholesaling. It's because I'm showing up every day. Even on the weekends, I show up. How different are you as a person from the guy that was hustling, delivering pizzas from the guy today? Yeah, so before I used to work in the business. Mm -hmm. Now I'm working on the business. Yeah. Right? That's the difference. So as soon as you have... Everyone has a hustle mentality, right? Once you're like working, oh man, I'm doing it. I'm making calls. I'm, you know, talking to buyers, talking to sellers. Oh, I'm, the, I'm in the streets. You know, I'm, do, I'm showing properties. I'm, you know, talking mm -hmm. to sellers. That's a hustle mentality when it comes to wholesaling, right? It could mm -hmm. be other businesses. And then once you understand, like, hey, I want to buy back my time. I need to ha find some other hustler that could do what I was doing to where I could work on the business. And once right. you start working on the business, that's when you actually progress in life. That's right. when, you're like, hey, now I could go on vacation. Now I could do other things. The reason why I took myself out of wholesaling, that's the reason why I got other businesses. If I was just a wholesaler, I could have done well for myself. I could have been me and I could have had five acquisitions and we're getting leads and we're all closing deals. Mm -hmm. I could have had one business. We're doing, you know, a good million dollars a year. Everyone's eating. Everyone's happy. I could have been doing this, but I was like, hey, look, I, there's more to life than this. There's right. millions of businesses out there, you know? There's a different type of purpose. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, helping homeowners, I thought that was my purpose. I thought helping distressed homeowners get out of, you know, a bad situation, I thought that was my purpose. But then years went by, I was like, that's not the purpose anymore. Now it was the, the purpose. It there was the purpose. For a season. Yeah. But I'm like, acquisitions, that's your purpose now. Because mm -hmm. that's what I teach them. Like, hey, guys, we don't do this for money. Kick the money out the door. Mm -hmm. F the money. I don't do this for money. I do this to solve problems and help homeowners. And yeah. that's what we do. If you want to be part of my team, that's why we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think, if you want to do this for the money, you're in the wrong industry, buddy. You're, you're the wrong company. Yeah. Get out of here. You know, we're here to solve problems because you need to have an emotional connection. You, you need to have empathy when you're talking to a seller. They're going through tougher times than us, right? So it's like you need to have that right. empathy. That's how you get, you know, paid the big bucks when you solve a problem, Yeah. right? We don't even do this for money. We're like, there's deals that we're like, hey, we're not making anything out of this deal. This, it was locked up too high because the mortgage is too high. And, you know, and the, no buyer's willing to give anything. We're, we're going to actually, if anything, we're going to lose money on this deal, mm -hmm. you know? Or because we're not, we're not trying to lose it. I actually lost a few money. I was like, yo, just to help the homeowner out. But they were like, hey, if breaking even is cool. As long as the seller, he walks away free and clear. He doesn't have to worry about anything. Buyer, he's happy. He found a good deal. Mm -hmm. Cool, right? That's all we're here to do. Be the middleman. Sometimes we're just here to help. Help the seller yeah. and the buyer, right? So, and there's times where, you know, and then once you go with that mindset, God just opens so much doors for you. I made $102,000 on an assignment fee. That's my biggest assignment, right? We didn't even do it for the money. We are just trying to help the homeowner. We're like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. You want this much? You want this much? Cool. We lock it up. Once you start pushing it out, we got higher than expected. You know, we we're going to make 20, 30K on the spread. But dude, we got, we went $102,000 because we mm -hmm. got overbid. Yeah. There was some type of development going on. Amazon came. Something's going on. I'm like, <laughs> really? I don't even know. Yeah. You know? I hear you though. I mean, I've been in those situations where like, um, I mean, we've closed on deals. We lost money on it. But, but you already yeah, know. We, we, we did it for 
you know, good faith, man. We're out of good faith. We're like, hey, let me help the homeowner out. Well, we made a commitment. We made a promise to them. That's what we it is. It. Uh, what is your why? Man, the why was my, you know, the why is still my family. Now mm-hmm. I do this for my family. Now you know I'm I'm blessed that I could give, I can you know get whatever I want. I could help provide for my family. You know, mm-hmm. um, my brothers, my little brothers are. You know, I remember we had to do a lot of a lot of dirty things to, you know, you know get get buy chips and stuff. You know, because mm-hmm. now it's like oh, we could buy the store. You know, so we can, right. so it's just like, man, they're the reason. And now like you know I'm blessed that I could do all that stuff. But now there's a the bigger why. Now the why is. I want to help 100 million people figure out what their why is mm-hmm. and help because the why, what it comes down to, you need to have a why to make money, mm-hmm. right? So now I want to help 100 million people find that why so they can make money and provide for their family. Yeah. You know, because that's why I got into the coaching. I was like, hey, there's a lot of fake coaches out there, mm-hmm. right? We do weekly calls. I give you intense course. I give you, you know, anytime they want anything, my, my guys, they have a, um, a link to my calendar link. I don't do them anymore, but I have acquisitions that are trained. I do whenever you need one-on-one support, even if you need cl- help closing deals, any questions, book a call with them. Mm-hmm. Book a call with my closer. They're trained by me. They've been working with me for a few years now. They're you know they're cold you know. Yeah. So, hundred percent access to them, right? So like twenty-four. I my acquisition is like twenty-four-seven. Uh, my closers, they're like, yo, we're twenty-four-seven for the students. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, they get commission when they you know suppose once the student's making money, guess what? He's gonna need help JVing. He's gonna need, need doing this. He's gonna want lists. He's gonna, he's gonna want stuff. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I give him fifteen percent. Yeah. Hey, yo, you, you're make, we're all making money here, right? So if the students are making money, we're all making money. So, what's your biggest struggle today? Biggest struggle, man. There's always struggles in life, but I would say, man, it's just you're staying consistent, man. Because there's some dates where, like, hey. I'm blessed to have what I have. Things are good. Yeah, I don't have to show up. Yeah. But I'm like, but you got to show up. Right. You got to show up. Because the thing is, I, I told God, I was like, hey, even, you know, when you used to pray for, you know, everyone prays for, there's three things that you pray for, right? You pray for, especially when we go to like Umrah and Hajj, we go to like Saudi Arabia to God's house. Mm-hmm. When I was, you know, we used to go there, we pray for three things. You pray for, especially a single guy, right? You pray for a wife, Right. You pay for a pious wife, pious kids. You know, you, you want you pay for that. You pay for money, mm-hmm. a shit ton of money. You know, <laughs> everybody who doesn't want to pay for money, yeah. and then you pay for your family, right? Mm-hmm. For their health, for longevity. You know, for for their you know for their happiness mm-hmm. and all that stuff, right? So, you know, we've been praying for that stuff, man. And now it's just like, you know, have all that, right? So now it's like, okay, what else do I pray for? Now yeah. I pray for it to help other people change it because I'm just a vessel, man. Mm-hmm. I, I figured out that I, hey, God just made me a vessel because I'm 20 years old, right? And God's blessed me with all these things. I'm like, God, right. how come you bless me with all these things while other people are struggling? What's the purpose behind this? Do I, you know? So I ask him all the time, I'm like, hey, what's the purpose? And he's giving me like other ideas and stuff. You know, you already know as a business owner, you have a million ideas going on in your head and you just got to execute, yeah. you know? So it's just like, now I feel like the why is like to help other people. Now I'm actually partnering up with my students. Like the mm-hmm. CRM I'm making, I'm partnered up with one of my students that made like 40K in three months wholesaling, and he's a developer, mm-hmm. right? But he's not really active, but he understands like coding and all that stuff. Yeah. And he's like, dude, I want to make a CRM. Can you help me push it? I'm like, dude, if, I'll try the CRM. If it works for me, if I like it, I'll push it out there and we could partner up, right? right? So it's like just partnering up with people, you know, yeah. finding uh, new opportunities. Yeah, I like that. I mean... I think, right, like, I haven't really talked a lot about prayer, and it's it's different, you know, because I'm agnostic. I don't have any preferred religion. 
But I was raised Buddhist, right? And my wife is Buddhist. And so we have to pray because that's what, that's what she does. And so I said, all right, well, what do I pray for? It's always the same. It's health, success, and that we can help those close to us. It's, it's awesome to hear, like, you know, like yeah. this is, praying yeah. for the same things. Yeah, man. That's Asking awesome. for the same things. Yeah. Um, Ask God, God, make me a vessel. Whoever wants help today, please bring them closer to me. That's like, you know, and then DMs coming in, you know? <laughs> so it's like, or I just get random calls or mm -hmm. I meet random people, you know? Like, you know, we, we go out to eat, we do this, we do that. Especially when you have influence, be like, oh, Steve Train, what's up, man? I, I see your podcast, I see yeah. your content. Especially yeah. I'm in Chicago, right? So I get like four or 500,000 eyeballs on my stories and, you know, my per, on a monthly basis, right? right? Especially all platforms together. So now if you're in Chicago, you're going to get, you go, you know, you go out to eat. Like, hey, bro, I see your stuff, man. I love right. it, you know? And like you get, you know, you get praised for like, hey, bro, good stuff out there. I'm like, I appreciate yeah. it. And that, like, oh man, I gotta push out more stuff because I see people appreciate it, you know. Oh, and you get a lot of massive dopamine hits. Oh that. yeah, that. Oh yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> what's your superpower? Uh, superpower, man. Uh, learning how to automate and delegate. I feel like I've mastered that, and I've because the game of business is the same game. The mm -hmm. concepts the same thing. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have a wholesale business, a property management business, a rideshare company, um, you know, fixing and flipping. It's the same thing. Once you understand the concept of business with the correct systems, processes, and people, and that's how you delegate and automate any company. Mm -hmm. that, I feel like that's a superpower. I could come in and I already know, okay, cool. How do I, what do I, at first I need to do market research. Mm -hmm. I'll do as much research as I can, but I need to find someone that already did five, ten years of research. I got to find someone that owns come back to auto repair shop. They had an auto repair shop for 10 years, right? Find the operator, right? Okay, cool. After that, okay, what systems do I need? What do I need to do? Mm -hmm. Where do I get all the inventory from? What do I, you know, what's the wholesale? What's the roles and responsibilities? Okay, cool. And then hiring the correct people, right? Yeah. Like that whole thing, you can start any business, any yeah. type of business. You could name a business, a cleaning company, cool. First, market research, find someone that's doing it, Roles, responsibilities, right? Systems. What systems do you have to use? There's cleaning tools, right? Yeah. There's there's softwares out there. Okay, cool. I need this software, this software. Cool. Okay. Roles are responsible. Okay, cleaning lady, you know, cleaning guy or lady. Cool. You need to do this. You need this. You got you know, first thing you got to do when you come in, remember, clean the living room or go clean the bathroom. First thing you got to do the bathroom because they're the dirtiest. Mm. So you're going to get worn out there, right? Clean the bathroom. Cool. Now you got the dirtiest job done. Now you come to the kitchen. Cool. Once you do the kitchen, awesome. Now you can just vacuum and do all the, you know, stuff in the rooms and the living room, you know? <laughs> so roles and responsibilities. And then having the people in place because I'm not doing the cleaning. We got to find people that could do all this stuff. So any business that you do, we just created another business right now, you know, the cleaning yeah. company. So it's just like. Well, it's it's, it's great. And um, I would say I'll, I'll, I'll give you kudos to this because you operate things in a slightly different order than I would. So it's good. Uh, I can, you know, I learned something here. So That's for good. me, if I was going to start a new business, I would just hire a coach. Right? I'd be like, hey, I'm doing this. <laughs> Let me go hire a coach and I'm going to hire an employee. Like that's mm -hmm. how I would do it. But you're, you're doing it in a smarter order where you're like, let me see if there's something I don't even want to do. Right. Which is. Test wiser. the water, yeah. Test the water, right? So I need to slow down. And that's something that we talk about with Certainty Talks and we all club with this and that. But, you know, I, I have this tendency to go too fast and I need to slow down. Do the market yeah. research before you yeah. hire a coach. Yeah. Um, There's things out there, man, you might not be a fan of. Like, hey, mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, the money's good. Like, development. Like, the money's good. Mm -hmm. But the thing that goes into it, you know, having a development team and, you know, the legalities behind having a – you know, the license and bond and, you know, having mm. the right people like, hey, this is, and the money, yeah, you might make $100,000 on a, you know, development or $200,000 on development and it takes 
a year, eight months, mm-hmm. I could be doing, you need a whole massive team. And yeah. like the payroll might be $20,000, right? Mm-hmm. You're, okay, cool. I'm only making 200000 and the payroll for it maybe is 80000 So I'm only making 120000 you know, on this deal. Right? If you're making 200000 your payroll is 80000 I'm only making one twenty on this. And it took me license. Bond. I had so much stuff going on. Effort when I and headaches. Exactly. I could just fix and flip, have a smaller team, and I could have done two of those and made the same amount of money as this. Yeah. You know, so you got to see like, hey, is this even worth it? Mm-hmm. Money looks, oh, $200,000 sounds good. If I tell yeah. you, hey, Steve, let's make $200,000. We got to do this project. Come on, let's make it, 200000 yeah. you know? But I'm like, okay, this is what it goes. Like, dude, I could have done something else. I could have done two small yeah. fix and flips. Opportunity costs. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is your biggest regret? Man, no regrets. I feel like everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. right? So, like, in my religion, they say everything's written. Who you're going to marry, when you're going to marry, right? How many businesses you're going to start, how many kids you're going to have, when you're going to die. A disease written. You know, so it's just like me just being, you know, part of this journey, right, that God put me in. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's no regrets. So I'm going to ask a, a philosophical question here. How do you align your, obviously, as a, as, as a multiple business owner, you're fairly autonomous and independent. You probably don't wait for a lot of other people's input before you make your decisions. You kind of do what you think is best. Yeah. How do you align that with... Your fate's already been determined. Man, so what it comes down to is like if I want to do something, because the thing is I don't have, have partners. Mm-hmm. The reason why I don't have partners is because of that. Like eight, eight of the companies that I own, I'm sole owner. Yeah. And then I have my brother involved, you mm-hmm. know? Like other things that might like the CRM that I'm making. You know, he's a developer. He's going to develop it, but what I say is going to go. I, I'm going to do all the sales and marketing. I already discussed all this. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm going to be the face. You just take care of the back end. Let me do what I got to do, Right. right? So same thing with that. Same thing with any of the companies. Like, hey, I'll take care of this stuff. This is because like, once you have roles and responsibilities, if they're not holding up to their part of the you know bargain, guess what? Hey, you're getting you're out. Right. That's no, why I the, get all that. Yeah. But then how do you reconcile your fate's been determined with your desire to be your own man? Yeah. So maybe if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. End yeah. of the day, right? If I want to do, if I want to impact 100 million people. Mm-hmm. And my fate says, that's what the goal is, right? My fate says, hey, that's not what you're going to do. You're only going to impact 20 million. That's what it is, man. Right. You know? So it's just like, I just got to have that mindset of, hey, this is what I want to do. And if God wants me to do this, it's going to get done. Right. right? I just have to show up. That's what the biggest thing in life is. You got to show up. People that want to start a business, they just got to show up. They started like, oh, yeah, starting a business is sweet and, <laughs> you know, simple. Yeah, let's open a wholesale business. Cool. Right. Let's buy some data. You never showed up to make those calls. You yeah. know? And I asked this question because I've, I, I'm a very strong disbeliever of fate, right? Because we talk about it in schools and this and that. I was like, I just can't have the concept of fate being predetermined. Right? I have to feel like I'm controlling my life. And fate is the opposite of me controlling my life. I just couldn't handle it. So yeah. like I said, it was a philosophical question for myself. Yeah. Um, and then what book have you gifted more than any other? Man, Traction. Traction is that book. Mm-hmm. The reason why I got into understanding operations, roles, responsibilities, systems, processes, you talk about that in there. It's like how you could basically be behind the scenes and supervise companies, work on the business, not in the business. Mm-hmm. So that book is phenomenal. And I'm taking a little bit of what I learned from all the books, right, all my favorite books, and I'm putting it into one you know, massive book, mm-hmm. which is going to be my own book, right, yeah. which is like understanding of different concepts. And then what I've learned by my with myself and my own struggles, right, so it's like... So, you know, I'm looking forward to that and just bringing it to the audience. I know you have some books for yourself, right? Yeah, I got a couple books. Uh, 
the only one that's really worth reading is Active Listening 2.0. Active um, Listening 2.0. Yeah. Okay. I have another one. Haven't been published yet. It's a biography of my parents. Oh, beautiful. Right? So I hired a biographer to interview, interview my parents. So at some that's point that's awesome. going to come out. That's awesome. Um, and for me, right, again, like, uh, well, I'm an immigrant as well, right? I came here uh, before. I came here from another country. Um, but I think there's a lot of lessons from, like, the journey of my parents to come from overseas literally attacked by pirates, right? You know, uh, in, 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 the, in, in international waters. No way. Fleeing, like, you know, communism oh, twice. Man. Like, I, I have this, yes. uh, uh, a very strong bent pro-capitalist, pro-entrepreneurship attitude. And the reason why is that, you know, we've had everything stolen from our family twice, right? Yeah. Communism. So that's a book that's not out there yet, but it's going to be. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's a... Most definitely, I gotta read that one, man. Yeah, yeah, I read it. Actually, someone in my organization read it, and he, he actually this, cried. I was like, yeah, man, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, that's it's meaningful stuff, man. Because there's stories that people don't know about behind the scenes. They might yeah. be like, hey, Steve is this disruptor now, you mm -hmm. know? But like, hey, where did Steve start? Where did his parents start from? Where did everything originate from? Yeah. And that story is like, wow. The reason why Steve is what he is today is because of what he'd been through, right? right? Or my parents, so, my yeah, family my parents, yeah. And it was so important to me to have it uh, written because my parents are older, right? They're in their 60s. Um, and like your life, you're, you, got, you already got a social media person. Like your kids are gonna know your life, yeah. right? It's gonna be impossible for my kids to not know about my life. I'm pretty open with my opinions, yeah. right? So they, they won't need that. But my parents, and you know, you're the oldest of four boys. I'm the oldest of six boys, right? Mm -hmm. In an immigrant family. So um, I want that message passed on to my kids and my nieces and nephews and so on. Love it, man. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. So I want you to think about some last thoughts uh, to leave all the, the, the listeners with. Um, I wanted to share something real quick. Uh, guys, you got value today. You know, I'm hoping that you guys got a ton of value. I learned some things, a couple of things today. So if you guys are getting some of this, something from this, please do me a favor, subscribe, share this with your friends, people that need to hear this. Go to iTunes, go to Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It will help us reach more people. I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Abdullah is on a mission to impact 100 million lives. Help us with our mission. So yeah. what are some last thoughts you want to leave all the listeners with? Well, people might think, hey, how do I work on the business, not in the business, mm -hmm. right? So you have to work in the business. There's two things. Either you have time or you have money. In the beginning, everyone has time because capital is low, right? So you, with that time, you focus on building that capital. You put in all your time so you can build capital. Once you have money, then you buy back your time, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, hey, how do I, how do I work on the business, not in the business, right? And it's, it's you know, fairly simple. I would say that in the beginning, you know, there's a, there's a saying for it, right? Um, I kind of lost my train of thought right now. <laughs> um, yeah. What was the saying? Well, either way, um, when it when it when it comes to me, I'll, I'll let you know. I was yeah. just thinking that when you were giving your, you know, thing, I was like, oh, I want to say this. It's gonna be nice. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that to work on your business, not in your business. What you have to do is once you build capital, right? Once you build your capital, then you you have to reinvest. That's what it was. So while you're working in your business, you're building capital. With that capital, you need to put every single thing that you make in the beginning 
into your business. Mm -hmm. And that's how you automate that business. That's how you basically get the correct systems, the processes, the people. Then you start working on your business, right? Right. You can't just go from starting a business and working on it. It doesn't work that way, you know? <laughs> that's basically the concept I want to give everybody. Hey, guys, you have to work in your business once you build the capital and, you know, don't spend that capital on buying Rolexes, mm. Porsches, all that stuff right away. Put it, reinvest in your company. Once you reinvest in your company, only then... Once you're stable enough, you're like, hey, I'm making $20,000 stable every month. Cool. Let's invest. Let's double this up and, you know, hire the correct people so where I, I can work on the business. Yeah. yeah. That was a great message. And, you know, it's kind of funny. This is, uh, I got Corey Thompson, you know, Roughneck, uh, what's it? Roughneck, Roughneck to Rough, Rough, uh, whatever. Uh, roughneck to Real Estate is what it was, okay. right? So I don't know if you follow him, but uh, I love this guy because he is an equal opportunity uh, antagonist. He just pokes to bear on all these other gurus in our industry. And he put this quote the other day, which is that all the people that have been quote unquote working on their business for the last few years right now are updating their resumes. And I was like, it's, there's power there, right? Like you have to actually do the work yeah. before you work on the business. Yeah. But everyone wants to skip the working in the business yeah. go straight to working on the business. That's what it is. Like I have so many students like, hey, I just want to automate it. I'm like, you can't auto, you don't have any understanding of this business. Yeah. I've been doing it for six years. My fifth year is like when I started automating things, right? So I was in the trenches for those five years, right? right? So I'm like, hey, you first, you need to know how to talk to a seller, how to talk to a buyer, how yeah. to, do, you know, if you want a JV, I could help you with that. But how can you quality control? You've never done the work. 100%. <laughs> and then the thing you're gonna make a million dollars. I'm like, hey, that's not how it works, you know? So remember guys, first, you have to work in your business. Once you have the understanding of how to work in the business, that only then you start hiring and working on the business. Yeah, So that's. Perfect. I'll leave you at that, you know? All right. Thank you so much, Abdul. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Steve. Thank you guys for watching. See you guys next time. Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.